Well, enough about you. Is Griff here? Uh, no, Griff's stretching, getting ready for his big run. I'm his best friend, you know. And I'm, I'm, I'm very happy for him. Well you, should, well, you should be. I mean, after all, he is America's hero. <laughs> America's hero, I'm the one who... I'm the one who's his best friend. And I'm very, very happy for him. Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a woman? No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children Podcast. Welcome back to the Married with Children Podcast. This is Luigi. I just want to say that Chris, he's like family to me. Even better because he doesn't live here. <laughs> and this, this is Chris Gunter, and I've been wondering, hey, Luigi, aren't you Bruce Jenner? <laughs> <laughs> and today we have a special guest co-host, Lou. Hey, this is Lou, and I'm sitting here finishing this El Pollo Loco 12-piece chicken dinner. Oh, I'm sorry, I mean 11-piece chicken dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Today we are reviewing Torch Song Duet, Season 10, Episode 25, Original Air Date, May 19, 1996. There's a radio contest open to all, except Al, where the winner will get to carry the Olympic torch through the city. Griff wins it and becomes a local hero. Director, Jerry Cohen. Writers, Donnell Buck. Special guest stars, Larry Brown as Larry Brown. Harold Sylvester as Griff, Roy Jones Jr. as himself, Richard Klein as Flint Guccione, Teresa Parente as Miranda Veracruz de la Hoya Cardinal, Renee Tennyson as Marla, Rosie Tennyson as Carla, Petra Verkayek as model number one, Victoria Fuller as model number two, Brooke Roberts as reporter number one, Nikki Dubin as reporter number two, Alex Carl as Alex. And we also, and most importantly, have Bo Jackson as Calvin Farquhar. It's interesting it's not in the IMDb notes. Yeah, I noticed that. I, I glanced at IMDb earlier, too, and I was like, hey, where's... Uh, yeah, where's, probably the most main character of the... Uh, yeah, yeah, where's Bo Jackson? Episode, right? I mean, he was, he, was, he was really funny. I mean, he, he, he delivered his lines really well. <laughs> he did. <laughs> Sunday, Olympic fever is sweeping the country. Hey, Mom, look at what I can do. Mom, you're not ducking. The Simpsons. Then, Al's going to Atlanta. I never knew you were such a big fan of the Olympics. I'm not, but I'm a huge fan of leaving home. Married with children at a special time after The Simpsons, Sunday on Fox. The title for this episode, Torch Song Duet, comes from one of two things, we think. Either it is a reference to Torch Song Trilogy, which is a collection of three plays by Harvey Firestein, rendered in three acts, International Stud, Fuge in a Nursery, and Widows and Children First. The story centers on Arnold Beckoff, a Jewish homosexual drag queen and torch singer who lives in New York City in the late 1970s and early 1980s. The four-hour play begins with a soliloquy in which he explains his cynical disillusionment with love. 
The other possibility is that it is a reference to a torch song. A torch song is a sentimental love song, typically one in which the singer laments an unrequited or lost love, either where one party is oblivious to the existence of the other, where one party has moved on, or where a romantic affair has affected the relationship. And the term comes from the saying, to carry a torch for someone. And in this case, since it's Alan Griff, could be just a reference that it's two people or a duet. If you have a better idea, please let us know. So welcome back, everyone. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to welcome Lou onto the podcast. So Lou has been one of our frequent YouTube commenters. And I was very excited uh, when we were able to get in touch with him, finally. So Lou, welcome to the show. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what got you into Married with Children and uh, why you're one of our uh, listeners. All right, I, um, I'm uh, from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm uh, 35. I've been, um, believe it or not, listening, well, watching the show, it goes back to I had to be at least like three. And I remember that because we lived in an apartment where I wasn't even in school yet. And I remember seeing that couch in that background on the TV that we had. It was, was like from Milwaukee Public Schools. Like, I remember that. And I remember when we moved, I started uh, for what we call K-4 here, uh, four-year-old kindergarten. So I had to be under three. So I remember watching the show, probably not even knowing what was going on. But it always stuck with me. And it was like so relatable. I didn't get every adult-themed joke. But uh, I just knew it was something about Al that was uh, hilarious. And I always took to it. So I watched it all through, for the most part, from what I can remember, to the to the end of the run, which I didn't like know it was the end because it just kind of dropped off. When I got older, I bought the DVDs and I referred to it to everybody, like anything in the, like a, um, everyday conversation is just stuff that re remind you of the show. So I uh, refer to it. It's always just been a part of my life. Everybody I uh, know just around me knows my favorite show ever. That's great. <laughs> and, uh, tell us like, when did you find the podcast? Like I said, you've been commenting, I can say at least as far back as uh, season eight, right. as far as I can remember. But uh, that was when we took over the podcast. I don't know if you were commenting prior to that. Yeah, I was. Um, I found it um, towards the end, I'll say, um, uh, season, uh, season seven. I found it because I was at work. I'm a mail carrier, which is kind of funny when I hear those uh, <laughs> the uh, mailman jokes on the show. <laughs> and I was trying to find a way to listen to the whole show while I work. And I found I was just typing in, like, Married with Children, and then a podcast popped up. I'm like, oh, I seen it was all the way in the middle. It was in the middle of season seven. So I just clicked on it, and ever since then, I go back and watch the old episodes. I, and I've been on it since then, I, and I've revisited a few of the episodes more than once. And that, yeah, that's how I got a hold to it. So I've been keeping on it, keeping up with it on the regular since then. Well, that's great. I mean, like I said, we, we appreciate it. You know, we appreciate having listeners. I mean, as you know, like, you know, we're trying to finish this, and we're trying to finish it this year. And actually, this is the last episode of season 10 that we're reviewing. So Really? Uh, yes. So uh, for us, I mean, for Chris oh, and myself. okay, so, okay, okay. So next week's show will be with Team Australia, and then we're going to go to the season 10 wrap-up show. Okay. So we'll be beginning this uh, again. Uh, season 11 will be in a few weeks. Yeah, we're, we're oh, glad wow, to have you, man. Good. How long have you been a uh, mail carrier? For about, it's just, uh, actually this month. This month was my ninth year. Okay, cool, man. Yeah, that's, so we, uh, so that's, that I would say that's probably a, a very underrated and underappreciated job. Yeah, you. And even before I got into it, it's like I know this Midwest weather, but I didn't really think about it till I had to be out there for eight, nine, ten hours at a time. I'm like, wow. Yeah, man, you so, guys. I don't know how y'all do it. Rain, sleet, hail, snow. I mean, 
and literally we had an ice storm here and we was trying to stay in. It was like, no, you gotta, you gotta go out. We like, man. <laughs> Hell here in Houston, if we get two or three inches of snow, it shuts the whole city down. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I seen that. I'm like, you know, they show pictures of the, uh, the, the frost in the, uh, the grass. I'm like, no, nah, that's not a, <laughs> I'm like, really? <laughs> So, so Lou, one of the questions I have, so being from huh? Wisconsin, you know, so the show always makes reference to Wank County, Wisconsin. So I figure that must give you a good chuckle every time <laughs> you hear that, right? Yeah, all the time, because because uh, <laughs> a lot of it is rural, uh, rural like they portray uh, her family to be. The only city parts we really have here is Milwaukee, the inner city of Milwaukee. Then we have uh, some of Madison City. The rest of it is like rural area so you kind of get the references and then uh cheese and beer is kind of like a weird thing like the, the Oktoberfest thing they had we have that here for real that's a real thing and it's a cheese restaurant on the freeway from Chicago to Milwaukee it's called something cheese so, I forgot exactly what it's called but it's a cheese real big so I do see that and I crack up at it all the time every time and we go to Chicago it's only like two hours away everybody from here uh, go there to hang out all the time, especially before the uh, the pandemic. Yeah, sure. <laughs> no, that's great. But I said we're really excited to have you. Like, welcome on to the show. And um, I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, well, I guess uh, let's get underway. So we open the show with Alan Griff in the shoe store, and Al is quizzing Griff on sports trivia. <clears throat> okay, Griff. In 1960, Cassius Clay won the Olympic gold medal by defeating what boxer? Let's see. <laughs> it's on the tip of her tongue. Give me my tongue! Give me that! <laughs> he defeated this guy! So the first one is uh, about Cassius Clay, who won gold medal in 1960, and who his opponent was. All of the sports trivia that is talked about in this episode is actually 100% correct. So they actually did do their homework. So Cassius Clay, a.k.a. Muhammad Ali, did knock out. Now, I don't know how the hell if I pronounce this correctly, and, and I apologize to all my Polish friends. Zbigniew Petrovsky, I think is the way you say it. And uh, I'll go with that. He, yeah, <laughs> it works. <laughs> he was um, he died in 2014. He was 80 years old. Now, what I thought was funny about this is like Al seems to be more into the actual trivia contest than Griff because Griff is reading a copy of Biggins. <laughs> Not paying no attention. Now, what was funny was, you know, when we interviewed Harold Sylvester, Chris, you mentioned about like, you know, what are your favorite scenes? And I think the most iconic scene between Al and Griff is when they're exchanging, you know, Biggins and Black Biggins, yeah. right? <laughs> Yeah, that was that was comedy gold. Yeah. That was a great. That was scene. hilarious. <laughs> and no, they didn't have any words. <laughs> it's look. And Lou, actually, I have a question for you. So, I mean, oh. you've heard some of our uh, interviews. What did you think of uh, you know our interviews like with like Michael Moyet and um, Harold Sylvester? I thought it was really nice. Uh, I like hearing the behind the scenes part. I like hearing the um, especially with someone like Harold Sylvester. You see how he acts on camera, then you get to get a um, taste of his personality when he's out of character and it's kind of similar, but you could see the real, um, hear the real person. And, um, uh, I liked hearing what uh, Michael Moyer was saying. It was, he was a real intriguing guy. I wish he had, was more enthused about a reboot, but, uh, <laughs> but he, um, he seemed like a night down earth person. A lot of stuff he said, I could uh, agree with. 
And um, it, it was real cool. I, I like hearing that the behind the scenes stuff like that. Say so we were really excited about that, and yeah. you know, it's nice to hear for us. I think understanding like what's going on behind the scenes and even like understanding the actors behind the characters and like i mean because it's like harold sylvester is nothing like griff griff is divorced the broke i mean harold is a success, successful right. businessman married 52 years you know right he seemed, seemed like a suave guy but uh, uh griff is kind of like a, uh kind of like a spaz type of guy <laughs> yeah it's like it's a good di- 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 dynamic even with um but uh, Ed O'Neill, his, his regular person is kind of not like Al, but it's, it's interesting to see that dynamic. The thing that I thought was really, really awesome about the timing of the interview is that we got it in between the, uh, the Christmas special and this episode, which are really the two, probably two biggest Griff signature episodes in the whole series, right. and, uh, yeah. which is awesome. Harold actually stated that this episode is his favorite. So and it's, it's, it's easy to understand why it's a very good episode and it's very Griff centric. Yeah, he, he got to show his, uh, his, his chops on here. He, you know, he really got to expand a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think like his thing was about the behind the scenes stuff, like all of those extra things, like, for example, the poster doing like a photo shoot and all of that, because it's like some of the stuff like you don't sometimes you don't think about that's kind of thing that they had to do probably like pre-production. Like, in other words, these things are shot in front of a studio audience, right? Right. So did, like, the scene when Al has, like, you know, the four women around him, is that, like, <laughs> was that done live or was that done pre-production? Because With if you think about chain. it, yeah, that's right, because Griff was standing in the middle and they have to have the prop with him in the poster, right? right. So you have to do that before you actually shoot it. So it's like things like that. I mean, that's all, those are the things that Annabelle really uh, pays attention to, I guess, more than me. But <laughs> but I thought it was great. That's the, yeah, I like that too. Isn't it, I like the details they put in that stuff too because it shows a little effort. And uh, Yeah, that, I can see how that stuff could be fun because they had the twins and him and Al had to, had to swap uh had to swap places and they had the gold chains. Oh, that that was so hilarious to me. Oh yeah, I mean they had some beautiful women on this one. Oh man, right. I mean, I mean we'll talk about them when we get there, but uh I mean I'll tell you, we're gonna have our season ten wrap up show. And we said this when we began, I think at our season nine wrap up show, it's gonna be a very difficult vote this time. Don't you think, Chris? Oh, absolutely. I, I don't even know where to begin as far as if we're talking about the you know, the best hot chick of the season. Uh, you could pretty much flip a coin with about 10, 10 to 15 different ones. <laughs> you <know>? Right. <laughs> Come on, Griff. The winner of the sports radio contest gets two tickets to the Summer Olympics in Atlanta. That's me and you, buddy. I never knew you were such a big fan of the Olympics, Al. I'm not, but I'm a huge fan of leaving home. <laughs> well, you know all the answers. Why don't you call in? Because I was banned from the radio station for making one innocent comment. What'd you say? I I simply said we can put a man on the moon, but we've yet to build an attractive woman golfer. (laughs) And? So now they talk about the whole purpose of this in terms of answering the questions is about the Summer Olympics of 1996, which was a real event. The Summer Olympics, if I'm not mistaken... Those that's usually in July, correct? So this episode was the second to last episode of season 10 airs in the middle of May. So the Summer Olympics were two months away. And uh, Al's excited about going because he doesn't have to be home. (laughs) And remember, at this point, Peg hasn't arrived yet. So Peg will make an appearance in next week's episode. 
in the final episode of the season. So we find out that Al was banned from a radio contest. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I find it hilarious that, that uh, Bo Jackson's character keeps double-checking to make sure Al Bundy is in the background. Every time he would say, that's not Al Bundy, is it? I would crack up laughing. Yeah. Like, he wants to make... Yeah, that serious make, face. <laughs> exactly. He wants to make double and triple sure Al's not involved in this. <laughs> Oh, man. So, so the joke was about, you know, uh, we can send a man to the moon, but we have yet to build an attractive woman golfer. Ouch. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> it's kind of funny. When I heard that line, I thought of people like Michelle Wee and, and, and others, but I guess this was a little bit before her. I think she was like early 2000s, I guess. So this would have been about five years before her. But uh, did y'all remember her when she was uh, coming up and trying to go on the men's tour and everything? Yes, I I don't re- I had I don't recall, but I know I just googled images of women golfers, and then the first thing that popped up was top five hottest female golfers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean I I don't think that uh, you know we had Sports Illustrated golfers yet in 1996. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, uh, there's some nice ones on here too. Yeah. Okay, who holds the world record for the longest standing broad jump? Me, if she doesn't move. <laughs> I was wondering, if I said you had a beautiful body, would you hold it against me? <laughs> Are we near the airport? Or is that the sound of my heart taking off? <laughs> What's your sign? <laughs> yeah, she wants me. <laughs> And speaking of the Sports Illustrated, and actually a bit more specific, Playboy, a very attractive young lady walks in who plays Marla, and this is Renee Tennyson. So Renee Tennyson was the first African-American selected to be Playboy Playmate of the Year in 1990. And she has an identical twin sister, Rosie, who we see later. And I don't know, Lou... You know when they say it's like when you go black, you can't go back? I mean, uh, yeah, you, was, put, you, can, you can sign me up for that one. Yeah, she was nice <laughs> like she didn't skip a day of calisthenics. I know that. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> she ain't want nothing to do with our boy at first, though. <laughs> she comes in in that red dress. I mean, just the look on her face, it's like whap, yeah. whap. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind us uh, being getting whacked by her, man. <laughs> I mean, she was nice. Hell, the, th- the part I thought was the funniest was how uh, Griff belts out three pickup lines in a row <laughs> without even skipping a beat, even though she's slapping the shit out of him. <laughs> uh, I guess Chris Rock could have taken some lessons. Oh, yeah, I was just about to say, man. I swear, I swear. When I was watching the episode again, I was like, that, that has to come. Thank you, ma'am. Give me another. Whap, whap. I would have. Oh, wow. I kept her around. <laughs> no, man, she, she tore him up. Now, one of the things I see here is that for Renee Tennyson is that in 2017, so this is five years ago, at the age of 49, Tennyson duplicated her Playmate of the Year cover along with her cohorts, Kimberly Conrad, Candace Collins, Lisa Matthews, Kathy St. George, Charlotte Kemp, and Monique St. Perry, 
nearly three decades on, she still looks fabulous. Really? Okay, yeah. I'm looking at her now. She is. She is. Yeah, they pretty well, both of them. I knew this guy in high school whose nickname was the Wookie, and uh, we had these uh, two sisters who were quite attractive. And I remember he he looked at me once and made a comment. He's like, you know, I just want to pay their parents to make more babies. <laughs> <laughs> I never heard that one. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you know, if the mom can pop out two of those at a time, man, like keep keep that thing going, man. Man, yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they, <laughs> yeah, they was nice and they still they age pretty well too by these pictures I'm seeing now. One more note on Renee. She appeared on uh four different episodes of Married with Children. Really? So Route 666, part two. Looking for a desk in all the wrong places. She played Topsy in Route 666 Part 2. She was Macadamia. And she played Marla in Spring Break Part 2. So that, uh, she, remember, she was the one who had the ventriloquist doll during the uh, talent contest. Oh, yeah, sure was, huh? Yeah. Just, okay, oh, I, just okay I do remember I just that. envisioned that just as you said that. That's right. And this episode, Torch Song Duet. I mean, and her credits include uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Hey, there we go to, uh, <laughs> to Will Smith. <laughs> Living Single, The Crew, Family Matters, L.A. Heat, Jamie Foxx Show, Malcolm and Eddie, Veronica's Closet, etc. So her credits go from 91 through about 2003. We'll see her again a little later this episode. Al pulls out this gadget that he says he got from a CIA surplus store. Okay, this baby is our ticket to Atlanta. What the hell is this? I got this from the CIA surplus store. <laughs> this bad boy blocks all phone calls to the radio station except mine. <laughs> I'm Calvin Farquhar. And it's time for Sports Radio 600 Olympic Trivia Contest. Answer three questions correctly, and you and a friend are off to Atlanta. It's showtime, Griff. Uh, you do it, Al. They can't hate you that much. This contest is open to everyone except sports radio employees and Al Bundy. <laughs> Hell, I'm sitting here wondering, does that, does that thing actually exist in real life? <laughs> it, it, it looks real, don't it? If it does, I want, if it does, I want one <laughs> so I can win some of these radio contests. I know, that, that's the main problem. You call it, it'll always be a busy signal when you get the yeah. call those numbers. <laughs> so now we see Bo Jackson comes on screen, and Bo Jackson says that he is Calvin Farquhar. This is an amalgamation of two of the show's African-American writers and producers, Calvin Brown Jr. and Ralph Farquhar. Two of probably the most talented, some of the most talented uh, writers on the show. So that's where they get the name Calvin Farquhar from. Bo Jackson is an American former professional baseball and football player. He is the first professional athlete in history to be named an all-star in both baseball and football. Brian Jordan is the only other player to accomplish this feat. Jackson's elite talent in multiple sports have given him the reputation as one of the greatest athletes of all time. Yeah, and the one thing I want to say about when Bo Jackson introduces himself as Calvin Farquhar, you know, the audience applause and he sort of mm -hmm. winks and breaks the fourth wall. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, so it's like you know he was sort of hamming it up to the ca to the camera, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, he was. 
He also has a shoe that um, you know, I'm into like the sneaker thing. He has a shoe that came out back then. A lot of people still buy. Uh, they just called the Bo Jacksons through Nike. Don't I know you? Nice shoes. Yo, Kenny City One. Are you sure we haven't met before? Now where's that Tour de France thing? Nice shoes. I knew I should have taken the right turn at Albuquerque. Have you ever been to LA? Oh, don't surf. That's what you think, dudes. Mike, you won't join me in a spot of tea. Where'd you put your college ball? What is he doing here? I thought this was another Bono's commercial. Has anyone seen Bo's ball? I know, Kansas City. Nice shoes. Nice shoes. You ever play with Bo Dilly? They're not up there with like the Jordans and all that, but uh, it's it's a nice sneaker though. If you ever uh, see them, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, he 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 did a great job. A lot of times when you have you know athletes as guest stars, it's obvious that they're athletes and not actors because <laughs> their delivery <laughs> yeah. is, is cheesy and doesn't really hit. But man, he delivered every single line he had on here well. I mean, it was funny as hell. <laughs> Especially those faces he made when he's asking. Yeah, if that was a uh, Al Bundy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, probably even better than Terry Bradshaw, who was yeah. handling oh, yeah, it up yeah. as well, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I kind of like how they play that up sometimes. It's kind of like they almost do it on purpose. Calvin Farquhar notes that the contest is open to everyone except sports radio employees and Al Bundy. <laughs> <laughs> You're mouthing with Calvin. Who's this? Griff. Griff, my man, you have a last name? Um, X. Griff X. <laughs> Are you Muslim, as in Malcolm X? Uh, no, I'm, I'm divorced, as in screwed over by the X. <laughs> she got everything, you know. Keep your problems to yourself, man. This isn't Frasier. So when Griff says his name, and this is a question that we asked uh, Harold Sylvester, you know, are you Muslim as in Malcolm X? Says, no, I'm divorced as in screwed over by the X. <laughs> I'd say that's got to be like the line of the episode. Yeah, that was pretty, I should have thought of that one. That was pretty good. <laughs> He's a, she took everything, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's funny. He says, keep your problems to yourself. This isn't free. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, this was a good one. Okay, first question. Who was named the outstanding boxer in the 1988 Olympics despite being cheated out of a gold medal? Roy Jones Jr.? Correct. So the first question that's asked is about the 88 Olympics. And it says, who was named the outstanding boxer? And the answer to that is Roy Jones Jr., who we actually see later. So I guess that's the reason why they asked the question. Yeah, I, I put that together at first. But then I thought about it like, yeah. You're... Now name the first American city that hosted the Summer Olympics. St. Louis. St. Louis. 
correct again. So then the second question is, name the first American city that hosted the Summer Olympics. And uh, that's answered correctly. That's St. Louis. And that was the 1904 Olympics. Now, Griff, you can quit now and keep the El Pollo Loco 12-piece chicken dinner. (laughs) I mean, 11-piece chicken dinner. Uh, Risk everything and go for the goal. Do side dishes come with that chicken? (laughs) Calvin says that Griff can quit now and keep the El Pollo Loco (laughs) 12-piece chicken dinner. (laughs) But actually, uh, he had a piece of it, so it's now just 11. (laughs) (laughs) I like how Griff says, do side dishes come with that? (laughs) He was was actually going to consider going with that. It, it, it was like some french fries or some potatoes or something there, wasn't it? Everyone knows I used to be the number one amigo. For lunch, I was the one to crunch. For dinner, I was the winner. Until he came along with that deliciously different charbroiled taste. The delicate marinade of real fruit juice, herbs, and spices. Not to mention all those fantastic side orders. I caramba! El Pollo Loco. I guess this means adios. El Pollo Loco, the fast food habit worth having. <laughs> oh, there's an El Pollo Loco right by my house, like literally a mile from my house. It's always busy. <laughs> oh, wow. Now, now, the thing with El Pollo Loco, because I know we, it's been mentioned before. We didn't like do notes on it because it has been mentioned. If I'm not mistaken, that's like a, a West Coast and maybe South chain I, I don't believe it's like in your neck of the woods lou or in mine correct right yeah i don't think we got one here we do have a mexican style restaurant it's called something just like it but it's not el pollo loco i thought it was for a minute but it's not right and you see you know sometimes we talk about continuity and even about placement like in other words the show's supposed to take place in chicago i mean is that a chain that's found in chicago and i don't think so and i think really the, the joke ends up being again these are writers in los angeles and they're talking about things that are around them as opposed to things that would be in Chicago, like the Orange Julius or In-N-Out Burger or stuff like that, right? Right, yeah. right. Yeah. We had Orange Julius here. Um, you did? Okay. Yeah, yep, in our mall, but I think it's gone now. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we'll go for the gold. We? You are alone, aren't you, Griff? Al Bundy's not there, is he? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Then name the only man in Olympic history to win a gold medal in both summer and winter games, and name the event. Eddie Egan boxing and um, and and bobsledding. Was that Al Bundy? No, that was me, Griff. When I get excited, I sound Caucasian. You know, like like that guy from Hanging with Mr. Cooper. <laughs> Calvin asks a question that gets Al stumped when he tries conveying it to Griff. To name the only man in Olympic history to win a gold medal in both summer and winter games and name the events. And it's Eddie Egan in boxing and bobsledding. And that is true. Eddie Egan was a was an American sportsman who is notable as being the only person to win a gold medal at both the Summer and Winter Olympic Games in different disciplines. Egan won his summer gold in boxing and his winter gold in four-man bobsled. Finally, Egan is one of the few athletes who have competed in both the Summer and Winter Olympic Games. Really? 
So uh, Calvin says, was that Al Bundy? <laughs> says, no, that was me, Griff. Says, I get ex- when I get excited, I sound Caucasian. You know, like that guy from Hanging with Mr. Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> That was pretty funny. I, I laughed pretty hard. I, I think. Uh, I think. Didn't Harold Sylvester mention that line when we were interviewing him? I believe. I remember right. We 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 talked about that. It's pretty funny. We did talk about that. Yeah. Mark Curry is an American actor, comedian, and host. Curry is best known for his role in as Mark Cooper, an ex basketball player turned teacher on the ABC sitcom Hanging with Mr. Cooper, which originally aired from 1992 to 1997. Curry also served as one of the various hosts of the syndicated series It's Showtime at the Apollo during the early 1990s. Curry starred in Nick at Night's first ever original live-action family comedy series, See Dan Run, as Scott Bayo's best friend Marcus from 2012 to 2015. And, you know, it was funny, like when I heard that joke about, you know, when I get excited, I sound Caucasian. I mean, I can hear Mark Curry's voice, right? Like, you know, <laughs> so I, I don't know. I think I think that probably is even funnier than the Opolio Loco joke. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was. Especially I used to actually watch Hank with Mr. Cooper. <laughs> I, I knew exactly what he was talking about. What's my theme music? So Griff correctly answers all the questions, and he wins the tickets to Atlanta. Well, congratulations, Griff. You're going to Atlanta, man. So as I mentioned earlier, the 1996 Summer Olympics, officially known as the Games of the 26th Olympiad, commonly known as Atlanta 1996, and also referred to as the Centennial Olympic Games, were an international multi-sport event that was held from July 19th to August 4th, 1996 in Atlanta, Georgia. These games, which were the fourth Summer Olympics to be hosted by the United States, marked the centennial of the 1896 Summer Olympics in Athens, the inaugural edition of the modern Olympic Games. They were also the first since 1924 to be held in a different year from a Winter Olympics under a new IOC practice implemented in 1994 to hold the summer and winter games in alternating, even-numbered years. That's right. That was a, a big change because I think, uh, if you remember, the, the 92 games were, I believe, in France, I think in mm-hmm. South Korea. Barcelona, and, I, think it, I think it was. Oh, yeah, Barcelona, Barcelona, that's right. Barcelona. <laughs> yep. and I then from the Dream Team. Yeah. Right. And then 94, I think, was Lillehammer, was the uh, winter games, right? And yeah. then 96 was... Atlanta in the summer. Now, we'll catch men's boxing, then Shaq and the Dream Team take on the always impressive Kuwaiti Five. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's fun to root for underdeveloped countries, Al. <laughs> so 
So Alan Griff was sitting in the shoe store looking at a piece of paper, which is the itinerary for the trip to Atlanta. And Al says that, you know, we'll catch men's boxing, then Shaq and the Dream Team take on the always impressive Kuwaiti Five. <laughs> <laughs> now, if I, if I also remember, I believe it was the 90, was it the 92 games where they allowed professional athletes to play? Yep. Right? Yep. Because it used yep. to be yep. like, I guess, college level. So, Chris, you want to go through the roster? For uh, the 96 Olympics? Yeah, so the 96 Olympic men's senior national team included a star-studded cast. Had uh, Mitch Richmond, David Robinson, John Stockton, Shaquille O'Neal, Gary Payton, Scottie Pippen, Carl Malone, Reggie Miller, Charles Barkley, Penny Hardaway, Grant Hill, and last but not least, my man, Hakeem the Dream Olajuwon. And they were he- the head coach was Lenny Wilkins. And that is truly a dream team. It really Man. is. I mean, they, they had a, a tough act to follow because the 92 dream team is so legendary. I mean, they're so storied. I mean, there's dozens and dozens of documentaries and books that have been written on the 92 team. But the 96 team uh, followed suit very well and <laughs> obliterated everyone. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, that was yeah, legendary. I mean, look at that front court with Hakeem, Shaq, and David Robinson. I mean, what are you going to do against them? I mean, what are you going to do? Right. What are you going to do? And then you got, you know, Carl Malone and Charles Barkley. Wow. Then you got Scottie Pippen, uh, Grant Hill. This is Grant Hill in his prime before all the, the injuries st- st- stepped in. Then you got yeah, a backcourt of Gary Hill, Payton, man. John Stockton, Mitch Richmond, Reggie Miller. I mean, that team truly had everything. Everything, right. That's- you know, and as I recall, like, I mean, I think if they played the Kuwaiti Five or some of the other teams they played, like, the guys on the opposing teams just wanted their autographs. But, I mean, I yeah. don't even think the Dream Team broke out of sweat trying to play against anybody, right? Yeah. No, yeah. That, yeah. Most of those, yeah. I think, blowout games for the most part. Yeah, you know, back in this era of basketball, you know, I don't know how many basketball fans we have listening, but in this era, in the 92 Dream Team and the 96 Dream Team, it, it wasn't just a, a pounding. It was almost like a, a nonstop fast break drill because we, we, our, our athletes were so much better and so much superior in every way. We would get a steal and we would be getting dunks before the other team even realized we'd stole the ball. You know, right. in the 2000s, the, the, with the with the international game expanding, other countries have started to catch up. Yeah, you know, and definitely. it's become much more competitive. I mean, in in the 2004 Olympics, that was kind of the wake-up call for us. Uh, we, we ended up finishing out of the top three. I think we finished fifth or sixth at, at, that, at that year. And then 2008 was the redeemed team. That's where we came back. You know, 2008, 2012, we won the gold again. So, but, but this era of basketball, it was just us stealing the ball, one pass, <laughs> dunk. Us steal the ball, one pass, <laughs> dunk. I mean, it was you, you'd see these crazy scores of... 130 to 70 and you know we're, oh, yeah. we're, we're just pounding the other team into submission but it's during the 2000s and 2010s it's become a lot more a lot more competitive a lot more you see like four of uh right now even like i think like four of the top 10 players is um foreign even like uh, our team milwaukee bucks you see is uh Giannis is our main player yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, you know, you think back to just the evolution of basketball. Yeah, I talk about Hakeem Olajuwon a lot. He was one of the first ones 
really, mm-hmm. to come over from the international stage and become a superstar. And now, I mean, look at the NBA today. I mean, you, you, you have some rosters that are made up with 30 to 40% international players from all over Europe, yeah. Asia, Australia, South America. I mean, yeah. it's truly a global game now. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you have like also people who maybe like are, are, are have more than one citizenship. Exactly. So in other words, it's like, you know, so they are they're playing for maybe like their grandparents' home country. So like, I think you're right. It's leveled the playing field because like all of the talent is not sort of concentrated just in the U.S. Exactly. And that's what makes it competitive because you have a, you know, let's take a, a superstar like uh, Dirk Nowitzki, for example. He, uh, you know, any basketball fans out there that's listening, they know he had a 20-year career with the Dallas Mavericks. However, mm-hmm. in the Olympics and the World Championship Games, he played for Germany, where, where he's from, you know, instead of with the U.S. Mm-hmm. So that when you have one of the best players in the NBA that, that's playing for his native country, that's right off the bat going to make the games more competitive. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yep. Even like with us, um, like Ileana's got to play for Greece. Exactly. Which I wish he could play for us, but, uh, yeah. you know, it don't really work out that way. Yep. Yeah, we call him the, the Greek freak, right? <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> it's a Greek thing, man. Yeah, I know all about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what was that? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, but oh, yeah, I get to him. In come Marcy and Jefferson. Speaking of underdeveloped. Hello, Whiff. (laughs) Listen, in preparation for your trip, I've put together some brochures of sights to see and things to do while you're in Atlanta. Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial, Peachtree Plaza, and look, the Jimmy Carter Peanut Museum. Thank you, Marcy, and we will put this to good use. (laughs) Wobble's gone. And yet the Weeble's still here. So Marcy provides them with some brochures to the Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial, Peachtree hmm. Plaza, and the Jimmy Carter Peanut Museum. <laughs> have either of you guys ever been to Atlanta? I have, yes. Uh, yeah, I have. It, it's, it's a lot of fun. I've never actually been to any of the places she mentioned there, but I have been to Olympic Centennial Park. It's a very beautiful park. been to the... World of Coke there, which is like the Coke headquarters where they have a huge museum you can walk through and taste test Coca-Cola products from different countries, different continents, you know, all, you know, six of the seven continents there. And I've been to the, uh, the Georgia Aquarium, which is one of the nicest aquariums around. So, <laughs> but next time I go back, I'll have to go to the MLK Memorial and the Jimmy Carter Peanut Museum. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I want to do that, too. I've been one time, and um, I didn't get to do any of that stuff. We uh, literally just woke up at midday and ate and went to go party and went back to sleep. So. <laughs> well, I think you, you did the uh, nudie bar tour. Well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You, you must have had, had Jefferson's book with you. <laughs> yeah, that's the one we had. We went to um, Magic City and all that stuff down there. Well, you know, Chris, I've been to Atlanta a few times, and 
you know, so I did like Centennial Park and I've seen the World of Coke and the aquarium. There's a civil rights museum also there, like right across that opened up a few uh-huh. years ago. But the last time I went, which was June of 2021, that was, uh, if you recall, you remember that um, news article about the guy who went to the Waffle House and he had like nine waffles? And we talked about that. Uh, I think that was um, that was when um, uh, Puggy Weaver died, right? That episode? Yeah. I recorded, I think, with Team Australia. I was literally, I just, we recorded it right after I was there. So I did see actually the Martin Luther King Memorial, Peachtree Plaza. And there's no Jimmy Carter Peanut Museum, but there is the Carter Center, which is uh, his uh, presidential library. So I did visit all three of those, okay. coincidentally. Okay. Yeah, next time I go, I'm probably going with my daughter, so I know I'm going to do the uh, Jefferson tour that time. Come on, Jefferson. I'm going to Victoria's Secret. What in the world for? Uh, I mean, I'll meet you there. <laughs> Bye-bye. All right, look, guys. Here's how to see the real sights in Atlanta, their official illustrated guide to the nudie bars. <laughs> The South shall rise again. <laughs> and so shall we. Well, Marcy's going to be wondering what happened to me. Is uh, Victoria's Secret still down that way? Yeah. yeah. Thanks. <laughs> One thing I was going to point out is, uh, you, you know, Jefferson has that nudie bar book there. A- Atlanta is known for their strip clubs. <laughs> and uh, yeah. it, I mean, yeah. and... Uh, a lot of NBA players. Uh, there was a big, there was a big deal back in the '90s about NBA players going to the, the strip clubs and spending, you know, just obscene amounts of money <laughs> back in the Man. day. Because yeah, actually, my little, who I went down there with my guy, he was in the in the NFL. He from here. He played for at the time. He was playing for the uh, St. Louis Rams at the time. They were still in St. Louis. Yeah. And um, yeah, we went to the the strip club, and it was it was athletes and stuff there. It was just money, like you just look at the floor; it's like just the, the floor that was covered with just dollar bills. Like you, like man, you wish you could pick up some of that, <laughs> some of it, but you you can't. You get walked out of here. Uh, you need the, you need Al's vacuum cleaner. Remember from season two? <laughs> it's the first time in my life I want a trifecta. I've got twelve hundred dollars in my pocket. Do you know what would happen if I told Peg, Steve, meet Peg? Peg, I've got money. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's definitely what you need up there. Yeah, they, they, that's, they, that's, and people go there for like, not even just the night, like they go there to eat lunch and just throughout the day. I'm like, yeah, I couldn't do it all day, but that's what they do down there. Yeah, uh, aim for poor guys like us, man. <laughs> Need a lot of coin for that. Yeah, like, no, I'm all right. I'll, uh, I'll just go at night. <laughs> so Al uh, makes a reference. He says, the South shall rise again. <laughs> and uh, I believe that's from Gone with the Wind. Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, Gone with the Wind, yeah. So Al tells Griff that uh, Calvin Farquhar doesn't know what he looks like. And in comes Calvin Farquhar. Hey, Al, here comes that sports radio guy. You better hide. Not to worry. He only knows my voice, not my face. Excuse me. I'm Calvin Farquhar, and are either of you Griff X? I'm Mr. X. Nice to meet you. (laughs) 
You'll have to excuse my friend Al. Fredo! <laughs> Alfredo. He doesn't talk much. Lost his tongue in the war. And a few other things, too. Well, Griff, if you just sign for these tickets. Oh, sure. Yeah, have a seat. Now, Griff almost screws up and he says, you know, my friend Al, and then he says, Alfredo. <laughs> and he says, he lost his tongue in the war. <laughs> and he says, and a few other things. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out now, like, what war would Al have lost his tongue at that point? I guess it would be Vietnam. That's what I was thinking, because if you look at the age, maybe Vietnam, because that was about, what, 15 years, 20 years before then? Yeah, that would make the most sense. It wouldn't have been the Gulf War, which would have been like no. five years before this. Yeah, Al was too old by that time. Yeah, uh. that makes sense, because you figure Al is in his early to mid-40s at this point. So you figure 1996 back to 1976, he would have had to have been talking about Vietnam, that would have made sense. Yeah, exactly. He would have been late teens, early 20s when Vietnam was in full swing and wrapping up. Yeah, so it had, yeah, it had to be Vietnam. So in comes Kelly and Bud. Hey, Dad. <laughs> Can I go to Las Vegas this weekend with... with... Um... <laughs> what was your name? Oh... Doesn't matter. <laughs> Can I go? <laughs> oh. Well, thanks, Dad. I won't get married or anything stupid. <laughs> You're gonna let Kelly go to Vegas? You're not the album. <laughs> And Kelly has a boyfriend who uh, doesn't say a word. I guess he doesn't get the credit for it. <laughs> and uh, she uh, wants to go to Vegas with him for the weekend. Now, we have a note here from Annabelle. So Christina Applegate's hair is now back to normal. So when we see her on camera, she's no longer wearing a wig. So from the beginning of season 10 until now, 25 weeks she has always had a wig on. So here it is in the 25th week. She now is back to her normal hair. Well, you know what? Look, you know what's funny about it is we, we got so used to seeing her with a wig that she looks funny now without one, you know? <laughs> you know what? I, I know something was different, but I didn't put a finger on it. Right. Like, it's just like, you know, it, the first episode with the wig, she sort of looked, she sort of looked different, I guess. But now not wearing one with this look, she looks, looks kind of funny, <laughs> you know? Now, the thing about Christina Applegate that we found out about is that in 1996, she cut her hair very short and she dyed her hair red. I think she was channeling her TV mom, right? <laughs> yeah. So when we interviewed Jennifer Lyons, she noted that she didn't recognize Christina Applegate at the first table read because of her hair being different. Yeah. yeah. So by this point now, Jennifer Lyons has appeared twice on the show. As Christina's hair was growing over the few months, she finally dyed it blonde because I would imagine she had to have dyed it blonde. So that's why we see on screen her blonde. Right. That make t makes total sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. When I look at it now, I got it playing in my background now. So, okay. Yeah, that do make sense. This is the thing. Do you think Al, in under normal <laughs> circumstances, A, 
would allow Kelly to do that. Now, the, the other thing, you know, Chris, you know, you and I have talked about it. And I'm sure you've heard this uh, if you've listened to us this season, Lou. She's a grown woman at this point. I mean, she's 25. Right. <laughs> Why the hell is she asking her father for permission to go to, to Las Vegas? And that, that's one thing I always wonder about the show, because I'm like, they haven't been children like the latter part of the uh, series. Both of them is like 19, 20, like you said, 25. So I don't know, maybe just to get his approval. I was, I was wondering that. Faustino is 21. Applegate's 25. I mean, and their characters are about the same, you know, their age of the actors. I'm like, you know, why Why would you ask? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know anyone in their early to mid-20s that would ask their parents' permission. <laughs> I mean, they might ask for money, I guess, if they need money, maybe, but <laughs> permission, <Right>. no. <laughs> and the other thing I want to ask in this scene is, why the hell does Bud care? <laughs> right, right? I mean, like, he's following his sister in, and it's like, you know, I mean, Al kicks the shit out of him when he tries to, you know, say that his name is Al Bundy, right? Obviously, you know, because Calvin's sitting there, but it doesn't make any sense, right? Like, I mean, why would Bud care that Kelly's uh, going to Vegas? I don't know. That's a good question. I didn't even think about it. I just thought. <laughs> and I'll tell you, Lou, until we started doing this podcast, I never thought about it. <laughs> but right. now, but now, now we analyze everything. It's like, okay, why were they doing this? And why are they doing that? All right. It, I was like 25 when I went to Atlanta. I don't think I told my mom until I got down there. <laughs> they had to come looking for me. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But I love that. I love. I love Bud's scream when he gets choked. <laughs> His scream is like classic to me. <laughs> Griff, the added bonus is that you get to carry the Olympic torch through the mall. Well, that's that's quite an honor, but. Uh, I, I'd rather let my friend Alberto here carry it. You mean Alfredo, don't you? Uh, yeah, uh, Alfredo Alberto. <laughs> He's an Italian uh, exchange salesman. Well, you are the winner, and it's your choice. Can we take a picture, please? Sure. Thank you very much, and congratulations. Thank you. Calvin talks about how the bonus of not just getting the tickets to Atlanta is that the winner, Griff, gets to carry the torch through the mall. So Al, since he can't speak, sort of motions that he wants to have the honor of doing so. (laughs) And uh, Griff sort of screws up and calls him Alberto instead of Alfredo. (laughs) So he says that his name is Alfredo Alberto and an Italian exchange salesman. So I don't know what that's (laughs) supposed to be, but all right. (laughs) Good quick thinking. Griff, thanks to you, I will realize one of my life's dreams to carry the Olympic torch. I thought your life's dream was to feel up Barbara Eden. (laughs) Oh, yeah, but I did that. (laughs) Stroking the big screen at Sears doesn't count. (laughs) The point is, carrying that torch for me will be like scoring my fifth touchdown. Al's very happy about this because Griff agrees to it. And Al says that his life dream is to carry the torch because obviously he's one of the greatest athletes in Chicago history, right? Playing high school ball. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, Griff correctly states that he thought his life stream was to feel a Barbara Eden.
Vandeje gush bifarmone toem sarvar. further into orbit than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, I Dream of Jeannie. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I'll tell you, man, she's 90 years old. She still looks good. Hey, uh, yeah, I looked her up. She, she, yeah, she, she aged pretty well. <laughs> Qu- Daly speaking to Will Smith, I've been listening to one of his songs. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard <laughs> Girls Ain't Nothing But Trouble, where they use the theme song from that. up barbie eden myself hell i just hope i make it to 90 if i'm being honest (laughs) and uh, we have a note here from annabelle so david faustino appeared in a tv movie with barbara eden in 1996 called dead man's island and william shatner captain kirk himself was also in it it is interesting i'm gonna have to look up that look that up on amazon or something so now marla re-enters wearing a blue dress Griff, there is a rumor that's got me tingling all over. I hear you're carrying the Olympic torch. Yes, I am. (laughs) I don't know if that's like a a reference to that song, Devil with a Blue Dress On. She looked good in the red earlier. She looks dynamite in the oh, blue. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah she, yeah, she looks real good. I'm looking at her now. And I'm like, since you heard about that, uh, him carrying a torch, you a fan? <laughs> Dare I say finger licking good, right? Better than El Pollo Loco. Oh, man. <laughs> Wait, is this the same day? No, it's a different day. I'm like, she had a red dress on, so it's a different she, day. She, you know, yeah, she was wearing the red when uh, she got slapped. So this is probably the next day or the next couple of days later when she's in the blue. Okay, right. Oh, man, okay. she <laughs> yeah, looks she, good. Man, yeah, yeah. Can't complain about that. And I wonder how they used to cast this. Like, did they used to find, I don't know, like, did they look for, like, hot girls come in? I don't know. They see them? I don't know. Well, I was going to say, you know, we that's a good question. We We've talked about that quite a bit. Uh, I, I think by this era of the show, the show was such a big hit and it was so well known that 
anyone and everyone was wanting to be on it. You, you know, whether it be whether you be a, a play playmate or a, a athlete, a journeyman actor, actress, or, or someone just starting out and trying to make a name for themselves. You know, like like when we interviewed Lisa Picot, who played uh, Mindy. You know. She she wasn't a fan of the show. She had never watched it, but she knew who it was. It was a huge hit on Fox, so she was thrilled uh, whenever the, whenever she got the part to play Mindy, even though they had her wear that ridiculous headgear with the huge retainer the whole time. <laughs> she was just thrilled for the work, you know. And you know, in like Jennifer Lyons' case, she was already a fan of the show. You know, one week she was watching it, and the next week she's sitting doing a table read with Christina Applegate. So I think like whether it's the part of a of a hot chick or the part of a fat woman, you know, I think people were just <laughs> thrilled to be a part of it, you know. I would have took it. Oh uh, heck yeah! I mean, you know, <laughs> even, if, even if my part were to walk in the shoe store and get insulted or punched by Al or something, I would have still took it. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I would have took it. I, that would have been. I would have framed that. <laughs> Jennifer Lyons put it best. She said when they when she was cast. The casting director said, come back and make sure you wear, like, very little clothing, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, she, it's, I don't know, it's that voice. It, I don't know, it's her delivery. I'm like, man, that's, man, that's a good-looking girl. We had a lot of fun in that interview. Uh, I had a lot of fun producing that. Like, I found every single clip I could mm-hmm. of, like, her and other sitcoms. She's, she's a very smart girl, not like her character, but she always played these dumb blondes. And that's what she does. She said, nowadays, the problem is, is that the dumb blonde is out. They look for like ethnic types and different body styles. So she says she doesn't get the same kind of work that she used to. But she always uh-huh. gets cast as a porn actress, she says. <laughs> like, a, like, like, a, like a make-believe porn actress. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. You know, the, the part that I laughed about the hardest was when she said she's even played, she's even appeared in some, some Christian films and Christian shows, but they always cast her as the villain. Because, they, wow. because you know, she's, she's, <laughs> she always has the persona of this like blonde bimbo or porn actress, or whatever. So when she was in, when she was in the Christian movies, they always cast her as the villain. <laughs> wow! But hey, work is work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's in this Amazon Prime. It's um, as we see it. This is Amazon Prime series that she's in, and again, like she she plays like a, an aerobics instructor. And then they, then the the kids are all. There's like three autistic kids who live with each other, and then they realize that she was a porn actress in the '90s, so she's effectively like doing like this porn scene on the TV show, like simulated sex. It's it's funny, like because like she told me about it, and then like we saw it like a few weeks later. I see it on on, Net, on on Amazon Prime, and I'm like, this is hysterical, you know, because she's like, yeah, it's like they just that's what they like to to uh, cast me as. Wow, so, what's that called? Uh, oh, yeah, when they when they get cast, it's the same thing over and over. Typecast, yeah. Typecast, yeah. There you go. I'm gonna have to watch that though. Sounds interesting. But uh, yeah, as we see it. Anyway, let's get back to the recording. Excuse me, oh backstabber X. <laughs> what do you mean you're carrying the torch? Ow, look at her. What would you do? Girls like that a dime a dozen. There's my dime, bring me a dozen. What about friendship? What about my dime? 
That's why I don't blame Griff for giving up that dime for a dozen. <laughs> Here's a dime. Bring me a dozen. <laughs> That's right, man. Now, look, we're still going to Atlanta. You know, besides, you're the only one who gives a damn about that stupid torch. Have you started training yet? Are you going to be able to go to Are you the guy carrying the Olympic torch? For God and country. I thought you said that nobody had it. When are you going to start your training? Would you like to take a picture, give you product endorsements, a free car? Sure. But as long as I can share it all with my best friend, person without whom none of this would be possible. Yo, Marla, baby, they want to give us a car. So a bunch of reporters and photographers come in and they ask Griff if he's going to be carrying the Olympic torch. So he says, for God and country. For God and country is the motto of the American Legion. And it comes from the ancient Latin phrase, Brodeo et Patria. So he says that uh, he wants to share this moment with his best friend. And he yells over, <laughs> yo, Marla, baby, they want to give us a car. <laughs> Stepped over. <laughs> You knew that was going to happen too, man. Like, <laughs> hey, his best friend was just slapping him the other day. Yep. <laughs> oh, oh man, I feel so bad for Al. Man. So now we cut back to the Bundy living room, and Al and Kelly are sitting on the couch. Kelly's doing her fin- fingernails. And if I kill Griff, get sentenced to life in prison, I'll be out in a couple of weeks. <laughs> but I'll miss canola night at the Jiggly Room. <laughs> But they've got to have the equivalent in prison, so I guess it'll be worth it. Uh, Dad, I see you're still a little upset about this Griff thing. Son, the TV is a thing. Your mother is a thing. <laughs> but betrayal by your best friend is high treason. If he, if he kills Griff and he gets sentenced to life in prison, he'll be out in a couple of weeks. <laughs> but he'll miss canola night at the Jiggly Room. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be uh, canola oil night. I says, but they got to have that equivalent in prison, so it's worth it. <laughs> I don't know what a prison stripper would be like. I don't know. I try to stay away from uh, that. Yeah, that's yeah, probably not a... I hope to not find out. Yeah, not me either. Weeks, though, for murder. <laughs> out in a couple weeks. <laughs> oh, come on, Daddy. Cheer up. Let's watch some TV. Maybe there's something good on. Come on. Yeah, watch a little too. Coming up on BET, Griff asks OJ the tough questions. So Al tries to get his mind off it, so he turns on the TV. Oh, man. So there's talk about, like, BET, and Griff asks OJ the tough questions. Black Entertainment Television, better known as BET, is an American basic cable channel that is part of the Viacom CBS Domestic Media Networks unit of Viacom CBS. It is the most prominent television network targeting African-American audiences with approximately 88,255,000 American households. In other words, 75% of households that have television receive this channel. It was launched as a timeshare to USA Network on January 25, 1980, and as its own full channel on July 1, 1983. 88 million American households. So that's... Well, 75% of households that have TV. Yeah, I used to watch BET. I used to record uh, music videos off there and uh, in between there, MTV and the, I don't know if you guys uh, ever, where you live at, get the box. Do you ever get that, the box music channel, video box? Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So it was in between those three channels. I used to always record music videos off of. 
this is an interesting point. So, you know, so when we interviewed Michael Moyer, one of the things, you know, we asked about, there was this legend that Jimmy J.J. Walker had said, I saw it on an interview, that he said that the Bundys were originally supposed to have been a black family. Mm-hmm. Moyer said, no, that wasn't true. I mean, he was trying to do things, certain things with right. it. So that's interesting. Like, do you, th- I mean, since Married with Children was actually created by a black man and you had also black writers, would it be eligible to be on BET? Right. You know, as in, and being a black guy, I, um, I found it real, real, like when I heard that and I, and I heard uh, Michael Moyer on, on you guys' interview say it wasn't true, that kind of shocked me because I kind of, um, I thought I could kind of see it basically based off Al's music choices he always liked. And uh, I don't know, it has that type of feel to it. So I kind of believed it. I don't know that has something to do with the, because, uh, you know, it had the black creator and Brian Levitt and uh, him. I believed it because I honestly, it, when the, when I heard it was called Not the Cosby's, always related to the show more than the Cosby's. I I did not like that show at all. So <laughs> it was so, uh, it was too it was too saccharine and too sweet. The Cosby's. Oh my god! I was like, nah, man. Theo's too. I, he was. I don't know. It just wasn't. But married with children, though. I'm like, I could kind of see it. I, I I don't know. And then uh, when I heard that wasn't true, I was like, wow. But yeah, it could have. I think this could have fit in on BET. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, like I said, it's just that even though the main characters aren't, I mean, right. again, there's, I mean, there's something to be said there. I mean, like, like one of, and to me, like that's I think one of the greatest things about this show. Like, I mean, we could talk about, you know, like racism. We could talk about stereotyping and all that. But this is one of those shows where it's like they wanted to ignore all of that, and it's just all like that. we just want to yeah. have like a good time, just <laughs> yep. make fun of everybody. Everybody, nobody would, <laughs> and nobody would say like. Yeah, and and it's truly the battle of the sexes. It's like you know, and I say as I've, as I'm older, as I've been married, I've had children, mm-hmm. been divorced. A lot of these jokes resonate. They do. I think they're universal. I mean, I think you could be Chinese, you know, <laughs> you from you know, yeah. from uh, you know, uh, from you know, the the, uh, the southern tip of Chile, and you can relate to these characters, you know. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. It's like I knew they was relatable when I was younger, but when I got older and then I had a family, I mean, you know, we, we're not together now, but we still all cool and whatever. And my daughter, you know, is still around, but. When we was all living together, I was like, man, it's just like it ain't it wasn't a bad household, but it's just like the normal, the normal family things you go through is true to the show. As of when you see a show like the Cosby's, it's like that's not how people live every day for real. Like Yeah. I mean, like remember what Moye said, he said, you know, like like they have like twelve kids and he wears like sweaters and, and all that. I mean, it's yeah. like, come on. Oh, you're right. Like, no, you're not going to insult them or nothing. Me and my daughter, like, my daughter has a good sense of humor. We grew up teasing each other, so she she still has that sense of humor right now. Like, we come on, just make fun of her, and she make fun of us back. It's just like just like the show, but then you got the Cosby's where it's like, yeah, I just got to teach you something every day, and uh, everything you do is right. Like, nobody want to hear that, man. Like, yeah, and you know. That was the that was the norm during that era. When you think about not just the Cosby Show, but you know Full House, Family Matters, uh, all yeah. all the family shows, they were comical, but there was always a lesson to be learned. Right. Respect your like, parents, respect your teachers, whatever whatever the the ep, the, the <laughs> lesson of the episode was. Well, you know, most families don't live like that. <laughs> you yeah, know? Not at all. <laughs> and, and, and that was the whole idea. It's like, make it fun. You, you don't you don't need to learn something by watching a program. Sometimes you just need a good laugh. Right. Especially after like a long day. Like, right. long. To me, like the one of the best episodes of Cosby, like I said, you know, I mean, I don't have a problem talking about, again, whatever Bill Cosby did, you know, obviously you don't 
condone it. But if you go back to the Cosby show, actually the very first episode of the Cosby show, there was one scene in particular that I always like, I, I bust out laughing like I do with Married with Children. And that's when he's having a talk with Theo in the bedroom and, ha- and he's giving him an, an economics lesson. Uh, son, your mother asked me to come up here and kill you. Hey, I know. You know what? What you gonna say? And it's under control. So, no, no problem. problem. Right. How do you expect to get into college with grades like this? No problem. Huh? See, I'm not going to college. Damn right. I am gonna get through high school and then get a job like regular people. Regular people? Yeah, you know, who work in the gas station, drive a bus, something like that. So what you're saying is your your mother and I shouldn't care if you get D's because you don't need good grades to be regular people. Right. Okay. Oh, suppose you graduate from high school. Let's say you just slide by. All right, now, now you've got to find a job. Now, what kind of salary do you expect uh, for a regular person? Mm, $250 a week. $250 a week? Yeah. Sit down. I'm going to give you $300 a week. Yes, indeed. $300 a week, $1,200 a month. All right? Great, I'll take it. Yes, you will. And I will take $350 for taxes. Whoa. Huh? Yeah. Now, now, uh, because, see, the government comes for the regular people first. <laughs> now, now, how much, how much does that, that leave you with? $850. All right. Now, you've got to have an apartment because you are not going to live here. So, an apartment in Manhattan will run you at least $400 a month. I'll live in New Jersey. All right. You live in New Jersey, you've got to have a car. I'll ride a motorbike. You need a helmet. Figure a hundred a month for clothes and shoes. Figure two hundred. I want to look good. Okay, so so what does that what does that leave you with? Two hundred dollars. So no problem. There is a problem. You haven't eaten yet. buy on bologna and cereal <laughs> so I got everything I need plus $200 left for the month you plan to have a girlfriend for sure <laughs> So he's left with like $2, like in terms of his savings at the, at the end of the whole conversation. And Cliff Huxtable says to him, he's like, do you want a girlfriend? He's like, yeah. And he takes the rest of the money from him. 
<laughs> so I mean, to me, like that could have been Al Bundy having like that conversation, right? Definitely, definitely. Yeah, see, hey, you know what? They did have some. I want to just <laughs> they did have some good stuff in there, <laughs> but some of it's sensational. Lie. I, like I, said, I, I think at the beginning, like, again, you know, even that show had some realism to it. But then it's it, like, you know, you wanted it to be like a perfect family. And I understand the, for the era, they were trying yeah, to get that yeah. across. So I don't argue that. But the thing is, is that whereas like Married with Children becomes like a cartoon on yeah, the comedy yeah. side, that became like a cartoon, like almost like this, like almost like Christian type of network type of thing where it's like, you know, right, all you're right. expecting him is to walk around with halos on their head, right? Yeah, right. Like, no, it's like, right. Like, no, that's not, that's not how it works at all. But I get I get it, though. You know, you, that was the era you had the what, family ties and all that stuff. It, it, yeah. They had to do it, but I'm glad uh, they had the idea to counter it with, some, with something like this. Oh, we love Griff. Griff loves us. <laughs> That's not fair. That should be me hugging that big purple idiot. Barney and Friends is an American children's television series aimed at children aged 1 to 8, created by Cheryl Leach and produced by the HIT Entertainment. It premiered on PBS on April 6, 1992. The series features the title character Barney, a purple Tyrannosaurus Rex who conveys educational messages through songs and small dance routines with friendly with a friendly, optimistic attitude. The last episode aired on September 18, 2009. It's <laughs> really? funny. It shows how, how long it's been since I thought about Barney. Like, right. if you would have <laughs> asked me, hey, Chris, is Barney still on the air? I would probably said, yeah, probably. I mean, <laughs> I, don't, right. I, I thought it was still on. <laughs> yeah, I, I, mean, I, I would have never guessed it ended 13 years ago just because I haven't thought about it in like 30 years myself. <laughs> right. My daughter's. 12 and she wasn't a Barney fan so I, I didn't have no I didn't have any connection to it I know to me that's like the one of the funniest things about the show when they do the uh they don't show you what's what they're saying but they explain it on the t- the newscast and they explain it uh that cracks me up every time and you know I I have to give credit to Carolyn so Lou you've heard Carolyn on the show right you know long time married with children fan and one line that always sticks out that she said to us was, the writers of the show and the creators, they figure that your imagination will do a better job sometimes of painting the picture of what you're seeing better than the yeah. director trying to show you. So like when he talks about Al's mother-in-law, right? We never see her, but we use our own imagination to imagine what she looks like. I mean, imagine now the scene of like Griff talking to OJ, right? <laughs> like it's like it's an episode of sixty minutes, <laughs> right? Yeah, or like he's on the Barney and Friends, uh, you know, show with uh... <laughs> like, like he was hugging him. <laughs> oh, that was like arm in arm with the kids that, around him. That Barney, uh, oh, that Barney voice God. was hilarious. <laughs> Yo, it was so it was accurate and off at the same time, right? <laughs> Did they list who did the Barney voice? They didn't list that, did they? No, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't know it was a black guy all them years. <laughs> I used to watch that. We used to never tell nobody at school we had watched the Barney show, but we would watch it anyway. And I never knew it was a black guy all them years. I never knew that either. No. Yeah. Of course, I mean, I, I haven't really. I know that Elmo was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I did. yeah he was Master Splinter, too. Right. That's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah I never Definitely knew that. Cares. I mean, I haven't really thought about Barney in like 25 years, but. 
A few years after this, about four years after this, I had a niece who was one years old. You know, now she's you know, almost 23 this year. Wow. And uh, she used to watch Barney. And my mother would babysit my niece while my sister was at work. And I would come home, and there she was, and she would put this uh, VHS cassette on, and she would just watch the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like I, I literally wanted to shoot myself, you know, because, <laughs> I mean, these songs, I mean, they just get into your head. Yeah, they do. And one of the things she would do is there was this one particular one where they would sing and dance, like, with these umbrellas. And I would come home from work. I'm tired. You know, and it's like, and it literally she would pull these umbrellas out and I have to like sing and dance with her in the living room. Uh, and the thing is, is that you know, in retrospect, I remember, I used to remember being like annoyed by it and I hated doing it. But now like, you know, as you get older, you appreciate it more. It's like, you know, man, I wish I could do that again. <laughs> I know, right? You try to do it with them now and they think they're too cool to do it. <laughs> but I mean, Barney was big at this this period of time. I mean, for the kids who were born during the 90s, these are the millennials. I mean... They really know this, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, I know. I know. We used to, like I said, we used to act like we didn't watch it and make fun of each other, but then we all go home and watch it. (laughs) (laughs) My whole life has been leading up to that moment. Dad, I thought you said your whole life was leading up to you leaving mom. Well, it was. (laughs) It was, but I wanted to combine the two. (laughs) Once I had that torch in my hand, I would have just kept on running. Do you want to know what I think? Oh, this should be good. (laughs) Now, like a great Eastern religion says, it's all about striking a balance between the ping and the pong. (laughs) Go get my noose, boy. (laughs) I get two. Now, Daddy, listen. Your misery, or the ping, is what makes other people happy, or pong. Pumpkin Daddy's feeling a little ping right now. Good! That means that somebody somewhere must be really pong. Maybe it's me. So Kelly makes a reference to the ping and the pong, which I believe is more of a reference to the yin and the yang. But uh, I'm thinking ping pong, like, you know, ping pong paddles or maybe pong video game, right? Right. She had it half right. She she mixed it up a little bit. <laughs> She's been eating white out again, hasn't she? So Al makes a reference to white out. <laughs> <laughs> and butting out his head, like yeah, she been eating it. <laughs> so white out is a registered trademark for a brand of correction fluid originally created for its use for with photocopies and manufactured by the Big Corporation. Use of the product has declined considerably over the past 20 years due to people typing more and writing less. And that's Mm -hmm. totally true if you think about it. Yeah, you know, that happened to me during the pandemic. The kids were like writing stuff uh, and I was like, I need to get some whiteout. And I'm like, you know, used to be able to find it in a Walmart or any type of convenience store. You just don't find it as as easily as you used to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's something I didn't really think about. I'm trying to remember the last time I used it, to be honest. It's been a while. (laughs) Right. Wow. Dad, Griff's your friend. Why can't you just be happy for him? When is the last time you saw me happy? For anyone about anything. Dad, Griff is a shoe salesman, all right? I mean, he makes no money. He drives a sardine can on wheels. (laughs) 
paints his ankles so we'll think he can afford socks. <laughs> the guy's got no life. But son, that's my life. Well, then you can understand why he deserves a little bit of happiness. Ah, oh, Pumpkin, maybe you're right. Maybe I haven't been such a good friend. Or a father. <laughs> but maybe there's still something I can do to make up for it. Hey, Dad, you want to go outside and throw the ball around a little bit? Not you. <laughs> Griff, he's like family to me. Better, because he doesn't even live here. Tomorrow I'm going down to the shoe store, I'm going to tell him he's my best friend, and then I'm happy for him. Oh, Daddy, you're so good. I'm sure in your next life you're going to be reincarcerated. <laughs> Bud makes it real for Al. He says, Dad, Griff is a shoe salesman, right? He makes no money. He drives a sardine can on wheels. He paints his ankles so he'll think he can afford socks. He's got no <laughs> life. He's like, that's Al. <laughs> He's like, that's my life. That always cracked me up. And when, I, and when I was young, I was like, if you can afford the paint, can't you afford the socks? But I, I don't know. But I just love that. It's like he paints his ankles so he think he'll afford socks. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's funny but like i said and you know lou for me and i always talk about that to me it's the brilliant writing like i Man. like episodes that are written well we'll hold our ratings till the end but to me the mark of an episode has less to do with the action on screen but it's the dialogue in other words you know, like how I talked about Carolyn's line about what you can imagine. If you can close your eyes and if this was like, let's say, a radio program and you're uh -huh. listening to the dialogue, to me, that's what's going to make it funnier than like somebody right. throwing a pie in somebody's face. You know what I mean? It, it's, Definitely. Yeah. Th that to me is the mark of like great comedy. That's what I love about the show. And unfortunately, in the later seasons, we get less of that, but occasionally we get some some marks of brilliance. So I I, I am gonna sort of show a little bit of my hand on this one. Yeah, that was pretty good. Like you imagine Griff with his foot up, painting his ankle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, oh man, that always that that line always stuck. I remember seeing this in first run, and, I, and that always stuck up with me all these years. And I was like, wow, <laughs> that's kind of sad. And uh, we also have a note here from Annabelle. The thing about painting his ankles uh, was a reused <laughs> joke from uh, Al in the Can't Dance, Don't Ask Me episode back in season three. Oh, God, my brain hurts. Somebody help me. <laughs> okay, look. Kelly, what you did was wrong. It was funny, though. <laughs> but wrong, uh, I guess. Look, there's two things that Bundys don't do. We don't eat vegetables and we don't tap. <laughs> So take one more tap class, and uh, tomorrow I'll get up, paint one of my ankles, go to work, and then after that I'll see your principal. Thanks, Daddy. Yeah, then I'll go to the airport, and I'll go to Borneo. Where <laughs> I'll be known as that great white guana with no socks. What the heck of a callback? Yeah, the paint ankles. <laughs> that was the one when, um, you remember, like, Al says to uh, Peg... I had 20 pairs of socks, and now I have, you know, 20 single, uh, swinging singles and one good pair. You know, it's like, it's like, what's Oprah been telling you to do with our socks, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Nick, <laughs> and he said he had to paint one of his ankles or something to match it. That's right. That's right. Oh, man. I think I remember uh, Alex... Alex, didn't they not like that? Did they say they didn't like the nodding or they didn't get it? It was something I remember 
from that from the episode. Yeah, well, I, I, I'll go back. Uh, we can go back and see what they said on that. But yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, oh, yes. Yeah, all right. So now we cut to back to the shoe store. And Alice hanging a sign saying, go, Griff, go. And he's using uh, one of those shoe sizers <laughs> as a hammer. Uh-huh. Uh, and in walks Roy Jones Jr. The worst haircut ever. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. I noticed that. Well, it is 1996, so you got to give him a break. <laughs> it's, very, it's very trendy, right, right. you know. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm Roy Jones Jr. Undefeated, two-time world champion, former Olympian, Roy Jones Jr. I prefer to think of myself as, pound for pound, the best boxer in the world, Roy Jones Jr. <laughs> well, I prefer to think of myself as high school football star, Al Bundy. Yeah! But unlike you, I got married. Now my life is all screwed up. <laughs> Well, enough about you. Is Griff here? Uh, no, Griff's stretching, getting ready for his big run. I'm his best friend, you know. And I'm, I'm, I'm very happy for him. Well you, well, you should be. I mean, after all, he is America's hero. Give me that. America's hero, I'm the one who... I'm the one who's his best friend. And I'm very, very happy for him. Roy Jones Jr. is an American former professional boxer boxing commentator, boxing trainer, rapper, and actor who holds dual American and Russian citizenship. He, really? he competed okay. in boxing from 1989 to 2018 and held multiple world championships in four weight classes, including titles in middleweight, super middleweight, light heavyweight, and heavyweight, and is the only boxer in history to start his professional career at junior middleweight and go on to win a heavyweight title. As an amateur, he represented the United States at the 1988 Summer Olympics, winning a silver medal in the junior middleweight division after one of the most controversial decisions in boxing history. I'm going to have to look that up. That's a heck of a resume to compete, to, to hold world championships in four different weight classes. That's pretty damn impressive. It's interesting when he his line is, you know, I prefer to think of myself as pound for pound. The best boxer in the world, Roy Jones Jr. So, I mean, he's right. channeling Cassius Clay, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, he was pretty good, though. I, I didn't know all that about him, though. I didn't know um, he had the, the, the different weight class. I knew he had a couple different weight classes, but I didn't know it was four. That's that, that pretty interesting. Yeah, so, Roy has that uh, newspaper of the Chicago Tribune, and the headline is Griff, America's Hero. It's a picture of Griff below him. So Harold said that he loved doing all of the prop work for that. And that's one of them. And that was one of the uh, images on his title card for our interview, if you remember, Chris. Yep, sure was. And he just keeps saying, it's like, I'm the one who's his best friend. I'm very, very happy for him. I'm trying to think, like, is that something, was that from a movie? It does sound familiar. I can't think of anything. I think that's just the stereotypical way that someone would be, you know, when they see their their best friend getting all the glory that <laughs> that that they they secretly want, you know, deep down. He actually, he actually deserves it. Yeah, that it they, that they feel like they earned and they deserve the glory, but he or she's getting everything. <laughs> so in comes Jefferson, who's selling a bunch of Go Griff t-shirts. Get your official Go Griff t-shirts here. Here you go. Hey, there we go. Thank you. Thank you. 
There you go. There you go. That's it, right? There. Jefferson, I am so proud of you. You finally got a job. <laughs> no, see, this, this isn't a job. No, I, I'm giving away these T-shirts to promote global unity. <laughs> You're such a good man. <laughs> So did he make the I'm a Griff t-shirt too? It looked exactly the same almost. <laughs> now Marcy's very happy that Jefferson got himself a job. And it's really not a job, right? Would you say? No. no. I say it's more of a hustle. Yeah, yes. it's a hustle, right? Yeah, yeah, side hustle. Excuse me. Aren't you Bruce Jenner? <laughs> No, I am not. Are you sure? <laughs> Don't make me knock you out. Ooh, can I get a Griff shirt? Oh, sure you can. Come on over here. Now, Roy Jones Jr. says to Marcy, aren't you Bruce Jenner? Now, now this was a funny joke in 1996, but I think it's probably even funnier in 2022. So you want to take this one, Chris? <laughs> I'll just start off by saying, you know, we were we talked about this a little bit earlier before we started recording. How the the joke was, as we all know, that that Marcy dresses like a man and she has a haircut like a man. But it what and and that was the joke, you know, that they would mistake her for a famous celebrity at the time. But what makes it funnier is that's everything that's happened since then with Bruce Jenner. And 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 my, what I was asking our group earlier is, is I was like. Was this just like was there something known about Bruce Jenner at the time, or was this just uh, just blind luck that it came to fruition like this? <laughs> I, I think it was just blind luck. <laughs> what, what do you think, oh. Luigi? I mean, I you know I mean like I said we there's a picture of <laughs> Bruce Jenner from 1996 right. with Marcy from that scene, and they do look very similar because Marcy had the haircut, she was wearing like hmm. again masculine clothes that very much resembled what Bruce Jenner was wearing. But when you hear Bruce Jenner, who is now referred to as Caitlyn Jenner, describe it, it's like during that time period, I mean, he wanted to dress like a woman. Yeah. So if, if, you're, not, if you're not sure who we're discussing, uh, Chris, uh, you want to uh, tell us, uh, give us some info on Bruce slash Caitlyn Jenner? Absolutely. So Bruce Jenner is an American television personality and retired Olympic gold medal winning decathlete. Jenner played college football for the Graceland Yellow Jackets before incurring a knee injury that required surgery. Convinced by Olympic decathlete Jack Parker's coach, L.D. Weldon, to try the decathlon, Jenner culminated a six-year decathlon career by winning the men's decathlon event at the 1976 Summer Olympics in Montreal setting a third successive world record and gaining fame as an all-American hero. Given the unofficial title of World's Greatest Athlete, Jenner established a career in television, film, writing, auto racing, business, and as a Playgirl cover model. Jenner has six children with three successive wives, Christy Crownover, Linda Thompson, and Chris Jenner, and has since 2007 appeared on the reality television series Keeping Up with the Kardashians with Chris their daughters, Kendall and Kylie Jenner, and Chris's other children, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, and Rob Kardashian. Assigned male at birth, Jenner publicly came out as a trans woman in April of 2015. 
Her new name, Caitlin, was publicly announced in July of that year. With her new name and gender being legally changed the following September, from 2015 to 2016, Jenner starred in the reality television series I Am Kate, which focused on her gender transition. In January 2017, she underwent sex reassignment surgery. Jenner has been called the most famous transgender woman in the world. And um, yeah, I was looking at the notes here added by Annabelle. You know, this scene has gotten mentioned a lot after her reveal. You know, it's it's uh, it, 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 I, I remember the first time I watched this after Jenner went through the, you know, the, the, the reassignment. I was like, oh, my God, I couldn't believe that it, it, I felt like Married with Children had somehow predicted this, <laughs> you know. But like you said, oh. it, it just had to do with the way Bruce dressed at the time <laughs> and the way Marcy dressed at the time. But it's so funny. It's 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 a joke that, like you said, it's a hundred times more funny now than what it was at the time. <laughs> right. And this is like the thing, you know, so like when we, you know, so Lou is like one of our faithful listeners. It's like, you know, we, mm-hmm. we always try to look at the show like and, and explain. We spend a lot of time, you know, explaining things. I mean, for a 22 minute show, you know, we generally go about two hours <laughs> on these recordings. We hope uh, our fan base appreciates that. But we, we try to put jokes into context. So in other words, it's like we're not... You know, this is like one of those things where it just so happened, you know, 20 years later, all these things happened. But when you go back into the past, it's like that's not what made it funny. You know, like, in other words, somebody watching this first run is going to be laughing at the joke for a different reason than someone in in the present day. But I think, you know, they have enough nuggets out there that it'll make the show funny to whoever's watching it, like whether they are a Gen Xer, a baby boomer or a millennial. Right. Or right, the Gen yeah, yeah, Zer, yeah. and I wonder, like you know, that would be interesting, Chris. Maybe in our final season, if we could get a Gen Z person on the show to review uh, episode with us, right? Like that would be a lot about, of fun. Who, someone who's about twenty-ish, right? Just to say, hey, like, <laughs> like to say, hey, like you know, what do you think of this type of comedy, right? Yeah. Because unfortunately, like nobody does this type, this type of comedy, this style of comedy is just not done today. You know, and Jennifer Lyons talked about that in the interview. She said everything today is very understated. And she, she says she says it's the office sort of started that trend. Yeah. Where oh, yeah. physical comedy and, you know, explicit comedy like this type is just not it's just not produced anymore. But the thing is, it's comforting to us. But Lou, like, what's your opinion on that? Like in terms of like style and all that? I mean, like the way I describe it is, you know, we're. We are comfortable watching a three-camera sitcom. That's what you grew up watching. And whether you were Mm -hmm. watching Married with Children or The Cosby Show or, you know, even the shows from the 70s, like All in the Family, Sanford and Son, et cetera. It's like shows aren't done that way anymore. But, I I mean, if you take something like, let's say, Ed O'Neill is in Modern Family. I mean, it's a single camera. You don't have a studio audience, Right. (laughs) I mean, the, the style of comedy is different because, like, this style that we see with Married with Children, the studio audience adds to the to the experience. Like, you know, like that one joke earlier when uh, Griff says that when he's excited, he sounds Caucasian. You know, when, <laughs> when, you, when you listen to the background, some woman in the audience is cracking up. You can hear her laugh very distinct over everybody else, right? And what, like Jennifer Lyons, for example, said is, and even Lisa Picard, it's like you get your energy from the audience, mm-hmm. right? And and the audience, like, you know, they, they help you with your timing. 
because, you know, if it's funny, you know, you sort of have to hold. When you do a modern day show, you don't hold. No, they keep going. You're right. So, I mean, like, so what's your, what, like, in terms of style, like, what do you think about that? I think it was okay to try to switch it for a second, but I think they should kind of go back to that. And I, I think a lot of, even the ones that got the laugh tracks and all that, it's a little off if you watch them now. It's like they might have, a, I don't know if they have a live studio audience, but it's like everything is done by laugh tracks. It kind of throws you off because you don't know where the joke's at. Sometimes the stuff come off a little stale because they can't write like they used to. And sometimes they do those shows like, um, I can't think of any uh, examples. I don't know if you guys ever used to watch like, yeah, like everybody hates <laughs> Chris Rock. Everybody yeah. hates Chris. Yeah. But it's just like, yeah, I don't, it, it's kind of hard to get into it to me. I wish they would go back to this type of uh, style, the three camera with an actual audience, as opposed to even the three camera shows now, if you catch them, they, it's like a laugh track and it's not the same. I think they should go back to this. It's more interactive. They make you feel like you there a little bit. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I mean, and the thing is, is that I feel like one of the reasons why I talk about the Gen Zers is the Gen Zers grew up with the new style. And the thing mm-hmm. is, it's like for us, I mean, you said you're 35. Like, I feel like that's around the cutoff, you know? Yep. So like, I mean, yep. you grew up with the old style, so that is comfortable to you. But I feel like a younger person is comfortable with the new style and this might seem to them a little more foreign or old fashioned. I, I don't know how they would take it. Yeah, me either. I know my daughter likes this type of stuff. Like when she was young, she's like, "Hey, Dad, play Al Bundy." I don't know what she liked about it. <laughs> she, she's still, I'd be like, "Okay, yeah, I guess," but she's like, she's twelve. She'd be thirteen. But um, yeah, you're right. Um, I don't know. It, yeah, I, it's weird. I think they. Have, I would like to see their, their take on it. Another interesting fact: my daughter used to like when she was young. She used to like Frasier too for some reason. She she <laughs> want to watch it, but she will laugh at Married with Children. But Frazier, she's just sitting watching silence. Then when it goes off, she just get up and walk away. I don't, I didn't know what that was about. It was interesting. <laughs> I don't. Maybe she was channeling the therapist side of it. Maybe it was a therapist. <laughs> Probably. Or, I don't know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so now Calvin introduces Larry Brown to us. Alfredo, look who I got to help me cover the Grip Torch Run. Super Bowl MVP, Larry Brown. Larry Brown. It's a miracle. Alfredo the tongueless man speaks. <laughs> Aren't you Bruce Jenner? I'm Al Bundy. D- did you come because you got my letter? Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm not here to see you. I'm here to see Griff. But why? You're a Super Bowl hero. Even though that bum O'Donnell threw those two passes right to you. I know that, and you know that. But Disneyland and the Raiders don't. And you know, I give it all up to be in Griff's shoes today. Why? He's just a divorced shoe salesman who's carrying a flaming stick through a mall full of fat women. But I, I am his best friend, and I'm very happy for him. You ought to be. And it's a miracle. Al the Tongueless Man Speaks. <laughs> <laughs> that, and I was, yeah, right. <laughs> that was pretty funny. I was wondering why they never, because they said he lost his tongue, but it's there. So I ain't never, I wonder why they didn't question that. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you know his voice then? Right. <laughs> so Larry Brown Jr. is a former American football cornerback in the National Football League for the Dallas Cowboys and Oakland Raiders. 
He is mostly known for being named as MVP of Super Bowl 30. He played college football at Texas Christian University. Larry says that he's here to see Griff, and Al talks about, he's like, why are you here, even though that bum O'Donnell threw those two passes at you? So I know nothing about football. Right. And Larry says, you and I know that, but Disneyland and the Raiders don't. So uh, right. what was that referring to? Uh, I, I think that was referring to a couple plays in Super Bowl 30 where he he got a couple of interceptions. <laughs> I was just about to say, I suspect that Steven is a big fan of Larry Brown Jr. because he's a, a Cowboys fan. You know, me, me, I hate the Cowboys. So <laughs> being from Houston, you know, yeah, I think that was referring to his two interceptions in Super Bowl 30. So, oh, okay. yeah. yeah. That's why I figured he was talking about. We are Green Bay Packer fans around here, so we got. Yeah, well, you well you probably hate the Cowboys too, right? No, we 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 rival against the Bears. Oh, okay. coincidentally. Well, I mean, <laughs> like if you go to like a Packers game with a Bears jersey on, or vice versa, you, uh, you get it. You hear it all day. Okay, yeah. I mean, well, the Cowboys and Texans only play each other about once every five, I guess, four or five years. But you know, it's just there's the rivalry since it's Houston versus Dallas. Same with the Rockets and. Uh, Mavericks and Astros right. and uh, Rangers, you know. Okay. See, I didn't know that. <laughs> hey, uh, Larry, um, you uh, you want to buy one of these limited edition autographed Go Griff t-shirts? Sure. Uh, I don't have any cash on me right now, but uh, hey, how about a Super Bowl ring? <laughs> sure. All right. Oh. <laughs> Wow. I'll always cherish this. Me too. I'll never let it go. Anyone want to buy a Super Bowl ring? Jefferson sells Larry a uh, a forged limited edition autograph Go Griff shirt for which uh, Larry uh, trades in for a Super Bowl ring. <laughs> like, geez. He must have really wanted that shirt, man. <laughs> right. <laughs> Jefferson cracked me up how he threw how he threw the marker and everything real fast on the floor. Man, Je- people can say what they want about Jefferson, but man, he is a hustler. He may be let you know he doesn't want to work, he doesn't want to have a steady job. But when they're when the when the opportunity comes up to <laughs> to, to swindle and to, to make some money, he will go for it. <laughs> he takes it. So now we get a very familiar character from television world. Mm-hmm. In comes a character by the name of Flint Guccione. Excuse me, pal. Hey, you're Flint Guccione, publisher of Biggins Magazine. Right you are. <laughs> Who'd have thought that an instamatic, drunken family reunion and 50 bucks could start an empire? <laughs> Don't tell me you came here to shake Griff's hand. I did that yesterday when I presented him with his lifetime key to the Biggins brothel. (laughs) And today, we're going to make Griff Biggins Man of the Year. Now, Flint Cuccioni is played by Richard Klein. Now, Richard Klein, as many of us television aficionados should know, Mm -hmm. was on Three's Company. Yeah, oh, I, I love him from Three's Company. I, I I think we've talked about that a couple of times. Uh, I, I always say, if anyone out there is looking for a show to binge that you've never seen, pop in Three's Company. It, it's comedy gold. Uh, it's John Ritter at his best, and 
Richard Klein was a big part of that. Lou, have you ever seen Three's Company? I, I've seen uh, episodes here and there, but that's also a show. I uh, I was I catch a syndication here and there, but I, I said I need to binge watch it from beginning to end because it seems real interesting, and real funny. Yeah, man, that is a funny, funny show, and 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 you know Richard Klein's a big part of it. Richard Klein plays Larry Dallas, which pretty much like like a sleazeball type character. Right. Uh, he was a Playboy neighbor. He was a used car salesman. I mean, cliche <laughs> oh, after cliche after cliche. <laughs> right. He was, yeah. He was a womanizer. He was everything. Is he? Uh, is he still alive? By the way. Yes, according to this, he is. Because I was. I mean, he's looking kind of old there. I'm uh, just in this appearance, you know. But he's got. I mean, I messaged you earlier about that girl he's with. I mean, geez. <laughs> we can talk about her in a moment. Okay. So Richard Klein. His character in, in Married with Children is Flint Guccione. So mm -hmm. this is an amalgamation of Larry Flint and Bob Guccione. Okay. So Larry Flint is an American publisher and president of Larry Flint Publications, LFP. LFP mainly produces magazines such as Hustler and sexually graphic videos. Flint has also fought several high-profile legal battles involving the First Amendment and has unsuccessfully run for public office. He is paralyzed from the waist down due to injuries sustained in a 1978 murder attempt by serial killer Joseph Paul Franklin. In 2003, Arena Magazine listed him at, at number one on the 50 powerful people in porn list. Now, Woody Harrelson played him, right, in The People vs. Larry Flint, as I recall, right? Yeah, interesting. Really? I didn't see that. That's something else I'm about to see. Right. And then we have Bob Guccione. And Bob Guccione was born 1930 and passed in 2010. He was an American photographer and founder of the adult magazine Penthouse in 1965. This was aimed at competing with Hugh Hefner's Playboy, with, but with more extreme erotic content, a special style of soft-focused photography, and in-depth reporting of government corruption scandals. By 1982, Guccione was listed in the Forbes 400 wealth list and owed one of the biggest mansions in Manhattan, However, he made some extravagant investments that failed, and the growth of free online pornography in the 1990s greatly diminished his market. In 2003, Guccione's publishers filed for bankruptcy, and he's resigned as chairman. Now, the girl who is with Richard Klein, Flint Guccione, she is noted as model number one in the credits. So, Petra Verkayek born November 4th, 1966, was born and raised in Los Angeles, and she has appeared in Playboy a number of times. Supposedly, she is one of the most photographed women in Playboy who has appeared across multiple decades. I think that she probably ties Pamela Anderson, because supposedly, according to this, she appeared in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, you know, in each of these decades. Now, interestingly, she was Miss December 1989, and Renee Tennyson, who played Marla, was November, so the month before. Wow. So that's the connection between the two of them. That's interesting. Yeah, I just, like, when, when she walked in, I'm like, man, her hooters are, like, bigger than our heads, dude. <laughs> man, almost thought she was Rocky Mountains for a minute. <laughs> You, you don't, <laughs> For a quick second, we're like, no, she looks more real. Yeah, you, you don't really see it fully until she turns sideways. I, I think whenever, uh, I, I guess it was whenever Miranda walked in, or, or I, I can't remember why, but when she turns sideways, it's like, holy Toledo. <laughs> 
Now, the blonde is Victoria Fuller, born December 11th, 1970. And she was Playmate of the Month in January 1996. So she would have been, again, Playmate of the Month a few months before this episode was shot. Uh, so if this episode was uh, released in May, it was probably done in uh, March or early April was when it was shot. So she had just been Playmate of the Month a few months earlier. So again, you know, I think in answer to your question, Chris, you had talked about, you know, like, where are they finding all these women? And they probably just called up Hugh Hefner and said, hey, you know, can you send a few uh, girls over? Uh, you know. Yep. Yeah. All they got to yeah, do sure is somebody... just, just look pretty and, and, and walk in, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Flint talks about how an instamatic, a drunken family reunion, 50 bucks could start an empire. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's kind of weird. I don't know about the factory. <laughs> so now we get to see this picture of Griff with the three girls entitled Man of the Year, and Al has a fantasy where he's standing in place of Griff. Oh, Al, you're the Man of the Year. No, you're the man of the century. You're twice the man Griff is. That's why I cloned myself. Marla's has a twin sister named Carla who joins them. <laughs> so Renee has a identical twin sister. Her identical twin sister's name is Rosie. And they're from Caldwell, Idaho. I think maybe I should uh, make a trip out there myself, right? <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> hey, everybody, it's Griff. And he's got the torch. Those were my answers. That should be my torch. I will be the flaming one. So Al has this fantasy, and then when he comes to, he's hugging two twin fat women who are in the shoe store. <laughs> Ed O'Neill's face was hilarious when he figured, he looked at him. He's like, where'd you come from? <laughs> uh, that's funny. Oh, man. So now Griff is running by the shoe store with the torch, and... Uh, Al's line is, uh, that should be my torch. I will be the flaming one. So <laughs> I have to make a gay joke there. And we have the return of our favorite newscaster of all time, Miranda Veracruz de la Hoya Cardinal. Mm -hmm. You got good at that. This is Miranda Veracruz de la Hoya Cardinal. <laughs> at the New Market Mall where national hero Griff X has just run by with the Olympic torch. Wait a minute. Someone is chasing Griff. It appears to be local hooligan Al Bundy. Oh no, he has knocked the torch from Griff's hand and sent it hurtling into the mall fountain. When you see her come on screen, do you see how proud she looks? Yeah. 
I mean, like, just look at her face. She is beaming. She is hamming it up. I mean, she is playing it like perfectly to the teeth. But like, you know, she's almost happy about the delivery. So yeah. I, uh, I, I really, really appreciated that. Yeah, she's a very good actress. She, she plays that character very, very well. Yeah. And, you know, my favorite line is like, it appears to be local hooligan Al Bundy. <laughs> <laughs> that cracks me up every time. Yeah. I think like the Brits and the Australians probably love that line more than the Americans, right? Because, you know, they have the whole concept of the soccer hooligans. I thought that's uh, funny. <laughs> so off screen, Al tackles Griff and the uh, <laughs> torch ends up in the mall's fountain. You know, who the patron saint is half obvious, as I recall, right? From an earlier episode. <laughs> half obvious. <laughs> was that from one of the Christmas episodes? Uh, I'm trying to remember. I mean, you see, you don't have, so unfortunately, Lou, you don't have Annabelle. See, if it was Annabelle, she would know exactly, you know. Yeah, she'd be on top of it. Yeah, I mean, I have to, uh, you know, rely on, uh, you know, uh, a Google search, but uh, she, she knows it right off the top of her head. For the first time in 3,000 years, the Olympic flame has been extinguished. <laughs> the torch must now be relit in Athens and run around the world once more. <laughs> the Summer Olympics have been postponed indefinitely. <laughs> Thanks again to now international hooligan, Al Bundy. <laughs> Anyway, so now Miranda is now off camera and she's reading off, uh, you know, about the first time in 3,000 years the Olympic flame has been extinguished <laughs> to, uh, to now international hooligan Al Bundy, which I think is funny. I thought it was funny how, um, how uh, Al was sitting there just like listening, <laughs> playing with his hands. <laughs> Guess you can look on the bright side, Dad. And from now on, when people think of Olympic shame, they'll think of Al Bundy first and then Tanya Harding. <laughs> Daddy, do you think it's safe to go out for food now? Oh, Pumpkin, I, I, I wouldn't worry about it. You know, when it comes to scandals, Americans have short memories. I like a Bud's line is really great. It's like when people think of Olympic shame, they'll think of Al Bundy first, then Tanya Harding. You know, they have to throw that jab in. <laughs> <laughs> so what did Tanya Harding do? I wasn't familiar with that one. Uh, she was the one who had uh, uh, Nancy Kerrigan's uh, hit in the knees. Like, remember her her boyfriend took a took a baton to the knees of Nancy Kerrigan. There was that movie I Tanya that tells the story of that. Oh wow! I'm gonna have to look that up now. That was very that that was the story of the year in 1994, and we did have Tanya Harding jokes early. Actually, you remember Chris back in uh, what was it season eight? Yeah, we talked about that. Like like the Tanya Harding the the Nancy Kerrigan Tanya Harding incident happened like in January, and like Married with Children was already talking about it within a month. Yeah, it, it was a huge story, Lou, and and it's it, it it's a shame what happened because. Tanya Harding, it, you know, she she was banned from the sport for life and retired a disgrace. But 
people forget that she was actually a really good figure skater. She was the first female to ever land a triple axle in figure skating. So it's it's and, and people forget that because of because she was banished from the sport. But it's sad because it would almost be like like you know you're a basketball fan, so I'll, it, it would be like Dr. J getting banned from the NBA. You know, he was the first wow. to dunk from the free throw line in a dunk contest. You know, it'd be like yeah. him, someone associated with him attacking another athlete and breaking their leg or something <laughs> and him getting banned from basketball for life. It's a shame because she's someone that sh- should be celebrated and revered, but she's a disgrace because of what happened. So it's it was a story where there there really wasn't any winners. <laughs> it ruined two careers and <laughs> ruined two legacies. So it was Really sad. Well, you know, if you remember Unmarried with Children, you would hear this line. It's like, there's a story with uh, uh, no winners, like only losers, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, you went at a, uh, what's her name? Uh, the car, uh, you, do her, you do her name. <laughs> Miranda Veracruz de la Hoya Cardinal. Yeah. Yep. I remember her saying that. Right. <laughs> so Al says, you know, well, they talk about how people having short memories. So he sticks uh, his face out like on a stick, like, you know, from almost like, you know, one of those, uh, you know, protest signs with his face on yeah. it. Like, as soon as like he sticks it out, <laughs> has like the, 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 the arrow with the, the flame, you know, hitting right in the middle of the head. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> was it was it that like the pit, his mugshot picture? Yeah, exactly. Like one, one of those type of uh, things. But I, I thought that was uh, pretty good. Yeah. Oh, that was hilarious. If you watch this episode in some platforms, for example, like Hulu, you don't get the original ending credits. So Annabelle has the original end, ending credits, uh, which she has posted on her YouTube site, Bundiana. Welcome back to Sports Radio 600. I'm Calvin Farquhar with my live in-studio guests, Larry Brown, Roy Jones, and Bruce Jenner. <laughs> <laughs> all right so so and credits <laughs> oh my god that was hilarious okay that's what I, they you said that's not on the hulu versions huh right like you know some of some of the versions that are out there like for example if you have the original sony uh dvd releases some mm-hmm. of some of those original end credits are not shown i okay. be, i believe they're all restored on the milk creek and in okay. some some of the versions have it and some don't. But, you know, if we always have to rely on the great Annabelle to uh, keep us schooled, you know, because like for myself, like I watched all of these first run. And, mm-hmm. you know, as the years go by, like sometimes it's like, wait a minute, like, wasn't there a scene or like, what well, didn't this happen? Yeah. And it mm-hmm. could be something very quick. And we found like time and time again, because when these things were cut up for syndication, they might take about a minute out. So they cut like 10 seconds here, a line here, you mm-hmm. know, a piece here. Like a lot of times now, for example, if you watch Married with Children, like on Logo, as an example, right? One of the things okay. I've noticed is when you get to the end credits, like they're really truncated and they go fast because they're, however which way they're trying to syndicate it, airtime is expensive, right? So they want to get through the episode quickly. So you lose a uh, part of that. And things like this, the end credits is one of them. In the episode that's coming up, the, the season finale, there are some end credits that you also don't find, which is Griffin, the electric chair. If you remember that episode when he's... Uh, the one the one coming up is when, they, <laughs> is when they sent him to jail, right? Correct, right, when he was the cannibal. <laughs> So you're going to see some of that again 
you know, in terms of like what's broadcast, what's available for broadcast. So luckily, right. like we have people like Annabelle who set us straight. She makes notes of it and she also has it up on her YouTube channel. Okay. I have to go on her YouTube channel. Is it, is it Bundyana? Bundyana, right. Okay, I'm going to I'm gonna have to subscribe. You can find all of uh, Annabelle's promos as well as like end credits that you might not find on standard releases. Okay. Yeah. And and with that, we'll be right back. No, ma'am, we'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. Okay, and we're back. So, Chris, how many pieces of El Pollo Loco chicken will you eat, (laughs) you know, (laughs) when reviewing this episode? Well... I really like this episode. Uh, it's I think it's it's very good. It's a very strong episode, especially uh, you know for this for this era of the show. The writing is solid. It has a good plot. I really like the guest stars: Bo Jackson, Roy Jones Jr., Larry Brown, Richard Klein, uh, who's one of my favorites from Three's Company. All of them added something to the episode, especially Bo Jackson with his delivery of the lines. There was a lot of, you know, good-looking models in this episode. It was a great story, and it was a great idea. Uh, and as, as we noted earlier, Harold Sylvester uh, has stated that this is his favorite episode that he was in. Uh, you know, as we know, it's a Griff-centric episode. And I really like it. It was very funny. I, I laughed. It had some very good laugh-out-loud moments. You know, we talked about the Bruce Jenner joke. That's even funnier now than, than, than it probably was, <laughs> you know, 25, 26 years ago now. So I really enjoyed this episode. You know, again, as we mentioned before, we're still missing Katie Seagal. You know, and the show definitely misses her. And I don't really feel like it had a very strong B plot, much to speak of. But the A plot was exceptional. And I really, really liked it. So I'm going to give this a 4.5. I'm going to eat 4.5 El Pollo Loco uh, out of 5. All right, so Lou, how many pieces of El Pollo Loco chicken are you going to eat for this episode? I'm going to have to agree with uh, Chris a lot. It's like, uh, it had, it's like, it's not one of those episodes where you can like pop in and you be like, okay, this is what the show is all about. But like you said, the models were good. The story was pretty good. The jokes, it's just missing that one like little flair. Like, you know how you, the classic episodes, you could pop in and be like, okay, Married with Children hit these beats. This is what the show is about. You'll get it. But this is not one of those. So, and the, the athletes did well. i say 4.5 as well, too. I, I would give it that extra uh, meat off the drumstick. <laughs> if, <laughs> if they would have gave me the, the um, you know, if I could pop this in and show somebody and show them what the show is all about, but it's not. Because it's like Al didn't lose. Griff kind of lost. But, uh, yeah, 4.5. All right. So 
I, you know, I can't really disagree with either of you. I actually had a number in my head, and it's just funny that it ended up being the same number. Before even Chris gave a number, I already had that number in my head. And I'm also going to eat four and a half pieces of El Pollo Loco chicken. You know, by the way, that means the crazy chicken in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> this, I, I'm generally not a fan of later season episodes. I've given some low scores on some of these uh, reviews that we've given over the past season. And again, as I mentioned earlier, this is the last uh, Chris and Luigi episode of season 10. And I'm really happy to have Lou on with us. I just thought that this was funny. It was funny. The jokes are there. The athletes are hamming it up. Uh, they're, they're doing like a, a good job of it. I mean, it's, it's not like terrible acting. The jokes did right. Like the one with Larry Brown, like the one about like, you know, the shirt and like trading the Super Bowl ring. It, it, that one like sounded a little stupid to me. I wasn't as like happy with that, but I feel like the Bo Jackson stuff that was done. Uh, Roy Jones Jr. Like that stuff was like funny. Mm -hmm. And again, it was a very contemporary episode. This is this was a tribute to the 1996 Olympic Games. And, you know, and when, when I looked at the uh, sort of the dates of the games, it's exactly two months later. So this episode aired on the 19th of May. So July 19th, exactly two months later to on the day is when the Olympic Games opened. So, again, it's a bit of a time capsule. But if you take that away, like this episode could be aired for any Olympics, really, any summer Olympics, it would work. You know, again, somebody looking at it in, through contemporary eyes. It just, I think, like, there was this whole thing, like the Bruce Jenner jokes, like, sort of, they're, <laughs> they, they they have different meaning in 2022, watching them in, in contemporary times. But, <laughs> but you know, it, it's still relevant. It's still fresh. And mm -hmm. and I really enjoyed the writing. And, and it's like, I, I said this time and time again. It's like, I'm just not a fan of later season episodes because I felt the writing was weak, but this time the writing was actually very good. I think it, it held up with mm -hmm. uh, some of the early seasons. And uh, Chris, I don't know if it was you or Steven, you had put out a, a poll out on Facebook where it discussed, it's like, you know, if you had to keep three seasons, what were your favorites? Right. And I feel like a lot of people put down three, four, and five. Yeah. And my answer actually, for me, is actually two, three, and four. Yeah. You know, and I know that that is those are the Steve years. <laughs> uh, I stand by them, but I just felt like, you know, those years, the writing was a lot more, I mean, just stronger. I mean, to me, like my favorite in season two, for example, is just married with children. Like when they go on the game show. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> I just like crack up every single time I could watch it over and over again. And that's, I think, really to me, you know, Lou, just want to get your opinion on this. Like, to me, it's it's the rewatchability of the show that's what, what makes me the fan. I mean, you've watched mm -hmm. this since you were a baby, right? I mean, I, I was eight years old. I wasn't yet nine when I started watching the show. And it's like I could watch it again and again. And, like, it just makes me laugh. And, you know, that was, I think, when we spoke to Michael Moyet at the beginning of the a season. It's like, that's what we have to say. Thanks, man. It's like, thank you yeah, for this, for because it's like, this is like a gift because, you know, you can't, you know, sometimes when you look at the world we live in today, it's not funny. It's not like, you know, you look at war, you look at, yeah. you know, people killing each other. You look at, you know, poverty, 
You look at like, you know, like major problems and inflation. Yeah. All, when you put all that together, it's like sometimes it's like, man, like you need an escape. Like you just want to laugh. And, right. and he said it correctly. It's like, you know, you just want to be able to spend 30 minutes. You know, he said 22 minutes on the couch, 30 minutes with, with commercials and totally leave reality and have a good time. Laugh at the jokes that are thrown at you and don't think about anything. Don't try to make a, uh, try to be given like a moral uh, lesson thrown at you. <laughs> just, <laughs> just laugh and, and enjoy it and enjoy like the, like people making fun of everybody and, and in a lighthearted way. It's like, there's nothing mm-hmm. mean about it. So I appreciated this episode and I'm going to give it a four and a half. And I will say this is probably... I mean, we'll talk about it in the season 10 wrap-up show. I believe this is probably going to be the highest rated episode of season 10 based on our scores. Mm-hmm. And I could, I could, I could see that. The, the only one I can think of uh, diff- that, that, that might be above it is the, the, the Terry Bradshaw episode. I, I know I joined uh, <laughs> with the scoreboard. <laughs> I, uh, I, I rated that one a five. That's my favorite of, I, I can't remember what they gave it to be honest, but that one I gave a five, but you're right. This one is definitely in season ten. This is amongst the absolute best, no question. Probably, I mean, if it's not number one, definitely within the top three. And we'll do the tally when we get there. Yeah. All right. So, Lou, thank you so much. Uh, I mean, like I said, on behalf of Chris and myself, and I think the entire team, we really appreciate it. We really enjoy. It. Like I'll tell you, like you know, these episodes get released at uh, uh, midnight Pacific time every Wednesday. So I always look forward. You're usually like the second or third person to comment on this after <laughs> after our friend Vincent T. in Australia. So I always look forward to reading your comments. Uh, I think they're always insightful. Uh, you point out some things that maybe we miss because, you know, we can't get everything. But thank right. you. And, you know, we, we hope to have you on again in season 11. And like I said, man, you know, thanks for listening and thanks for supporting us. Uh, no, I appreciate the opportunity, man. I- this is a show I always love. It's always been a part of my life in some way. Uh, you guys do a good job. I also like the original team too. They um, they was all J names: Alex, Jamie, Justin, JT, Jerry. And then you guys did a good job of taking over. You know, it's it my pleasure to be here. That's why I'm like, I don't, I don't care what day it is. I gotta make sure they let me <laughs> let me off the uh, the route to come. You know early enough to do it and uh, I'm, I'm available whenever I, I don't know if it's for the ep- episode trash though I might have to skip that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah well you know it's interesting like we have different opinions on it like uh, Chris seems to like it I don't like it and I believe Chris you and I are scheduled to review that yeah. <laughs> well, man, that's that one episode. It don't even seem like Married with Children. I don't know. I, I, I only like that one because of my time in the National Guard. I, I, I do okay. agree okay. that the episode is, is very corny, very over the top. <laughs> but I, I do okay. appreciate that they didn't want about the National Guard. <laughs> oh, okay. And the one thing I'll say to you and our audience, Lou, is like a lot of times, like when we go in and we start reviewing an episode, we come out with a completely different number. By the time we finish and talk about it, then when we start. So, you know, I always go into each episode with an open mind. I think we all do. So we'll see how it turns out. So to our audience, stay tuned for season 11. But next week on the Married with Children podcast, we have the season finale. The joke's on Al. While Griff faces a death penalty due to a no-man prank, 
Out plans to get married to an old flame. So you will not want to miss it. Team Australia will be reviewing it. And again, after that, we will have our long-anticipated Season 10 wrap-up show, where we will be reviewing, I think, the, and everyone's mind is going to be, who is the hottest chick of Season 10? And uh, it's going to be a very, very difficult tally this time. So, so stay tuned for both of those. But again, until then, tune in again next week. Same Bundy time, same Bundy channel.